five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin! Edwin and Eric! They don't give a fuck! They just want you to rock! Yeah! Bam 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 dilly dee! Bam bam bam! Alright, and here we go with our Ramones Road to Ruin review. I'm Eric Jordan, RMCP, and I'm joined, as always, with Eduardo Canastracci. And Edwin, why don't you introduce our amazing returning guest, a real popular figure in the podcast and YouTube world. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the one and only, the king. He's the king. He's the podcast king. There is only one king. Like, Elvis is the king of rock and roll. The king of heavy metal rock and roll podcast. It's Ralph Vieira, the one and only Dr. Fuck himself. Wow, hey, wow Schmack and McGough, uh, with that intro, I thought you were talking about Mark Alvin Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, he's America's, what is it, America's podcast. He's the Dallas Cowboys of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you notice that the Dallas Cowboys only have one star, so that's what he's one star. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least he's got one star, unlike Terrence. Terrence got zero stars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, Mark did right when the the whole when the great that one great war with Ter- Terrence was going on. I know there's been many battles, but there was that one major one when I think it was when he was claim when he first did the Rock and Metal Combat podcast when he was like when he took the title, you know. <laughs> that was, yeah, it never <laughs> happened either. Yeah, and I was hoping it would. And I think that's when Mark Taylor like finally came out publicly and denounced. Terrence and said, "No, no, we're not friends." So, so <laughs> I said, "It's a good for you, Mark." Okay, that's right. Because uh, I, be- I think it was his racist rant video where Mark was like, "Yeah, you know what? This time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll scare people off." Yeah, yeah. 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 That guy's got some issues, man. He's got a few screws loose. Aren't you? Just a question, Ralph. Aren't you ever a little scared of Terrence? No. If you know what I mean. It's never occurred to you that he might... Oh, he's, he's, he's a keyboard warrior. He's, you don't think uh, he'll be a mass shooter or something one day? Well, not not to me. I don't even think that... I think that guy would be like Jack Burton with a gun. He'd be trying to, like, shoot someone, and someone have to tell him, like, safety, safety! Yeah, he'll end up shooting himself. <laughs> I, 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 that guy is just a, a you know, keyboard warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he says about me and Ian, it's actually him. And I love when he says stuff like, they're like preschoolers, and then he goes into cartoon rants. They're, they're, which way did he go, George? It's like, we're the mature <laughs> ones? I mean, I admit we're immature, but, but Jesus, not that immature. Yeah, well, at least, yeah, you guys at least admit to it. Like, hey, we're, we're immature. We have juvenile humor. Who cares? And we're funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep. But, you know, he helped. He was one of the contributing factors that brought you guys back together. I love it. His new little rant on me is that I was kicked out of my condo and now I'm living with my parents. <laughs> and and he sent the cops to my house. It's like, what the fuck? Like, cops are not going to waste their time with that shit. Exactly. And no cops coming to my house. Well, not for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he's just so delusional and weird. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at the point where it's like, 
I don't even want to talk to him. It, it's gotten so boring that I don't even like talking about him anymore. But I, I'm glad to talk about him now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> my, so, my ending of, of talking about that idiot, that race, pure racist that says, I'm not racist. Yeah, I got a video to prove it that I will send anybody. It's in my Dropbox, and so many people have requested it. You know, it's like, yeah, check it out and spread it around. You know, yeah, I'm not racist. Watching that video, there is not a shadow of a doubt. The guy is a total racist. Oh, but, totally. Well, if, if by racist you mean he's a shaved head white guy saying a lot of racist things, that if that's your definition of a racist, Ralph, <laughs> that, that maybe. <laughs> so, so your now your YouTube uh, channel has always it's fucking been blowing up over the years. It's uh, how many subscribers you got now? Have you lost count? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think it's like 34,000, approaching 35, I think. 34,700 something, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's growing awesome. every day, man. Yeah, man, it's like, um, it's always, uh, there's a lot of material on there because of donations. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, the donations I have now, um, uh, it goes till the end of, uh, well, the middle of next month. Uh, I just did some today. It's like, man, I mean, I tell people, if you're going to donate, you're not going to see your video for like a month. Because <laughs> it takes for, you know, it's just, it, it's glorious. And lately I've been getting really good donations, like no suck versus suck. I hate yeah. those. You know, I really do. Uh, I don't mind doing suck versus suck here and there. But when I got it, one time I had to do suck versus suck like a bunch of times in a row. I mean, that that entails sitting through these albums. Oh yeah, I've noticed yep. a lot of albums you've been doing. Sometimes have been like albums where it's like I don't even know what the fuck this is. No, like, yeah, most, most of them I don't know. There was one band called Ween. You guys know Ween? Yeah, yeah I know. I know I, they did a song on SpongeBob. That's about I know, it. I know Ween very well. They're actually from where I'm from, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, outside of I, Philly. I, I moved. <laughs> so first, I mean, well, a slip which album off. was it? Um, Guava, something like that. Yeah, you're oh, not. If you name your album Guava, that's just setting <laughs> yourself up for failure. Dude, it's, and, uh, it's unlistenable. And this one guy wrote like this. I'm telling you, like three paragraphs, how I'm wrong and I'm not Jesus. sophisticated enough to get it. And Ween is this and that. And then talking about, you know, the Ween does a lot of drugs and writes songs and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I, I just answered with one fucking son. I'm like, ooh, they're so cutting edge. <laughs> you know what? I ain't, I'm not musically sophisticated. I'm not. I listen to music. I like this. I don't like that. Period. I'm just a, I'm just a headbanger, man. That's all I am. And, and I love a lot of different types of music, but it all takes a backseat to metal. And I'm not this sophisticated. Oh, uh, I like Frank Zappa. Therefore, I'm sophisticated. Hey, look, I like Frank Zappa. And then I like, you know, shit like, you know, Apple, you know, and like, I, yep. I like, you know, there's a big spectrum of shit I like, but I don't consider myself musically sophisticated. You know, I, I'm in a band, but I'm not a musician. I'm a headbanger. I don't know how to write music. I know how to make shit rhyme. As a, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's just, uh, you know, people, oh, you're not musically sophisticated. It's like, dude, you're not insulting me because I agree with you, you know? And it's like, I don't know, people just get I don't get it. I'll never get it to, you know, to the day I die, how people get so upset over not liking what 
you, they like or, oh, or they like something I don't yeah. like. I, just, like I told I was on like a uh, this Facebook group. It's like a movie or uh, it's like eighties or nineties kind of group, and like uh, they said, like, what's one movie that was made in the nineties that you wish never got made? And I was like, Terminator Two. I, I don't like it. I like the first one. I think the second one was just kind of dumb. I never got the hype around it. Oh my god, so many people flipped out, like acting like I. They're, they're acting like I was Terrence or something, you know? They're like, oh, you're wrong. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? You're stupid, blah. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. I, yeah, and, and you're right, too. That's what makes it really crazy. The first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, I, I love it, too. People, I, I don't mind people disagree with me and, like, they're, like, interested. Like, oh, what, why, uh, why, why don't you like the second one? Like, like, cool about it, you know? And, like, we, having a discussion. But, man, most people just want to attack you. And it's like, what the fuck? I, I've been noticing that a lot too, you know, since I've been, you know, for the past couple of years doing my YouTube channel, one thing I was noticing, like Ralph was saying, like, like, it's just, it's weird. I, I just find it weird when people get mad if you have a different opinion. Like, I, it's not even like trashing a band. Like, it could be the same band. Like, your fans are the same band, but you just, dis, like, you just don't think the, the the album that they like best is your favorite album. Like little things like that, they get mad about. You notice that rap? It's weird. It's just like yeah. like I have this like my most popular video is uh, the one I did about the Melvins, and that gets a lot of Melvins fans on it. Uh, I think I filled a vacuum there. There's not a lot of YouTube <laughs> videos about the Melvins, so I got a lot of views on that one. So it gets a lot of people, and it's like I went through the discography. And I pretty much reviewed every album. There was like one album that I just thought, because it was a beginner's guide, I'm kind of just trying to get people into the band that I never listened to them. And there was like one album that I thought was just so-so that I didn't talk about. Like, and they have a, they're one of these bands, you know, they've been around for a while, so they got a lot of albums. It'd be like Overkill, like if I didn't mention one of their albums from like 2004, you know what I mean? It's like, this was like one, not a special album, just one of, 40 albums that they released that I just didn't mention. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, of course, that there'd be a handful of people that come on and go, well, what? this is one of their best albums. I'm like, fucking, that album's just so-so. Why do you care? Why are you getting angry? It's not, like, yeah, you know, it's just, the band released 40-something albums. Relax. You know, it's not enough. How many people are making videos where they talk about more than one Melvin's album? Just be fucking happy. <laughs> it's like <laughs> sometimes when I get comments like that, I reply with, "Dude, I'm so sorry. You're right." <laughs> Total poser and just agree with you. I uh, just, I, actually, it's like you know, the worst are, are, are the ones that actually want to do physical harm. You know, if yeah. I see you, I will tear one. <laughs> I will tear your face off over a musical thing. I haven't gotten that yet, but only because I don't have that many viewers yet. But I think I will. There will be a point where I get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> one one guy said, I can't believe he said with a straight face the first Van Halen is better than Appetites of Destruction. And I'm like, well, that's not far-fetched for me. To, I mean, I can understand if I had a contrarian. You know, you'd say, wow, really? You think that? But, dude, I, I, think, I think if you make a poll, Van Halen probably won't win, but it'll be damn close, you know? But no, I agree. I mean, obviously, even just from a historical standpoint, it's a more significant and innovative album. But yeah, better album. Yeah, I, I also think it's a better album as well. I agree. But I, I mean, agree just, too. It's technically, I mean, come on, that's like it's like Are You Experience? It's an album that just changed music. Appetite for Destruction was a good album. You know, maybe even a great album. But I love yeah. this album. Yeah. 
But it, but it didn't make as much. I mean, it made a bit of a change, but it didn't make as significant of a change as Van Halen did in '78. Well, let's say it's, it's the difference is it's like it made a change by reminding people what good rock was like. Like, hey, this is like a '70s style. Like, we're bringing back the good shit. We're bringing back the, the mid '70s kind of heavy metal hard rock. But it wasn't like changing music and creating something new like the first Van Halen album was. Like. There was nothing like that. What Guns N' Roses did, though, they made hairspray kind of go away. Even though they did, they you know, Welcome to Jungle, they're wearing all that hairspray. But after that, with the hair down, like all those poofy hair bands, kind of let their hair down after that. They were still glammy and stuff, but the hair kind of changed. I think that's what Guns N' Roses did. Yeah, it was definitely a step away. It was like the first step. Guns N' Roses did was an image thing, an image overhaul to a lot of bands, where Van Halen did. A music overhaul to a lot of bands. Yeah, and the whole thing, the whole, like, uh, we don't want this turned into a Van Halen video. But yeah, the whole thing about David Lee Roth, Betty Van Halen, they created pretty much what every band in the 80s, with maybe the exception of, like, underground stuff and thrash, but all those hair metal bands, like, none of those guys, I mean, this might not even be a good thing, but none of those bands would have existed without Van Halen, you know? No, no way. No. You know, so and if it, anything, I think Appetite's kind of like the end of something, and Van Halen was the beginning of something. Including Kiss. Yep. Yeah. Kiss went into Van Halen Jr. as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, and also, I think Song by Song, it's a better album, too. But that's, it's taste, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, it's, no, right? it's, it, yeah, it's a matter of taste, but I'm like, man, for you to say, I can't believe you can't say it, I'm like, we're talking about Van Halen 1 now. Now, if I was to say, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, example like uh, Diver Down, the first, yeah. the first faster Pussycat. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. oh, album sucks. Or like the first an appetite for or like the the first Tough album or the first Dangerous Toys album. Yeah, it's not yes. that counterculture. What you're saying, you're just taking another classic. I'm talking about a game changing album, not some album that didn't do anything. Like as far as yeah. impact on on music, you know. People are weird. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. The way they get so emotional. But I've known people even this my whole life where, like, you'll see a movie and you really like it, but they don't like it or vice versa. And they get upset. Like, they think it means, like, you're insulting them. It's like it's something yeah. gets personally. We just like different shit, you know? It's not yeah. a big deal. But they take it personal. People take their taste very personally. Yeah, they're idiots. They, they were raised by poodles. They're idiots. Yeah, I guess there's definitely yeah some kind of insecurity they got because this is weird. Like I don't give a shit. Like, you that could... idiot, like that idiot Terrence. Oh, so and so said something bad about Pink Floyd. Therefore, you're now public enemy number one. He oh has... yeah, that guy threatened to kill so many people just because they don't like fucking momentary lapse of reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, you actually, know. he actually said that. You're <laughs> public enemy number one because you don't like Pink Floyd. I mean, what a jackass. Yeah, I, yeah. My, my fa- I was just telling Eric, you know, my favorite, and I know Ralph won't dislike this, my favorite album of all time is ACDC's Powerage. But you know what? If, if some guy walked up to me and said Powerage is a shit album, I'd just go, okay, I disagree, but that's, you know, your opinion. It's not a big deal. Uh, I get that all the time. Like, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Sabbath sucked with Ozzy. They were better with Dio. And I'm like, hey, that's your opinion. And, and you know what? They're right to that. Yeah, it's yeah. not, not, not going to make me love it less. It's oh, you're saying like, you like Sammy Hagar? Yeah, it's, hey, that's it's a like, sin. It's almost like they're trying to like convince you of something, like it's like math or something. Like this is it, this is it, and it's like, dude, there's nothing you're going to say 
that make me not love or dislike an album. Like, if I don't like it, I don't like it. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to convince me that something that I think sucks, sucks, you know, because even if I think it sucks, I know it just sucks to me. Like I said, it's just an opinion, you know. If some people love, you know, a lot of people love Nickelback. It doesn't do anything for me, but it doesn't bother me that people love Nickelback. You know, I'm not I love these... Nickelback. I, it, look, I mean, look, they're my not co- like a fair band, but they're pretty damn good. They my, got some my, good songs. My co-host likes Nickelback. You just hear that, Ralph? <laughs> so there, it doesn't bother <laughs> me. You know, I, I, I love when people hate on bands I love, like, you know, everybody in Fresh and I hated Pantera, the first lineup. They all hated Pantera. And they would even, like, my guitar player's like, dude, I love you, man. You're, like, the most awesome guy. But you make me embarrassed by, like, a Pantera. <laughs> Jesus. Like, really, dude? And uh, he got mad at me one time because he was playing this, uh, there's a song we cover uh, from Lord Tracy called uh, Piranha. And he goes, um... Yeah, Di- you know, he played in front of me. He goes, Dimebag can't do that. I go, yeah, I know, Dimebag <laughs> could do it in time. Dude, <laughs> he threw his guitar down and ran out, like, and, and pulled his Evil Dead poster off the rear of the wall. I was like, God damn, dude. <laughs> I mean, he just threw a little Pantera jab at me, and I threw it right back at you. I mean, uh, whatever, man. It's, it, I don't know. I'll tell you, man, and, and look, in no way he's probably, he's probably listening. And I, and I love him. I really do love Mark Gowden Taylor, but his philosophy, the other day, I, I don't know why I torture myself watching those videos that only three people watch. And I was watching one the other day where he's like, Dave Mustaine on Eddie Trunk said, Sammy Hagar is a big influence, so suck it. And I'm thinking, you know, Dave Mustaine said Merciful Faith's a big influence. So suck it yourself, Mark. <laughs> and who gives a fucking Sammy Hagar's an influence I don't give a flying fuck I really don't care that doesn't mean anything to me all this inside shit you know it's it's just oh they sold this many records and you know uh, that, I get that a lot of times like oh yeah you're into bands that sold like a little amount of records where you know this band sold millions and I'm like that's how you judge music man you know, so it's like Justin Bieber's like the best artist of all time then to you right yeah, now? You ever, you ever listen to the artist, the pop artist, Ed Sheeran? Oh my god. Horrible. Hor- it's horrible. And, and this guy has sold so many records and it's just horrible. And again, I like, hey, if people like it, more power to them, but it's horrible. <laughs> to me, you know, but you know, I don't want, there was a period when I first started talking to people online, I used to do the IMO a lot, you know, in my opinion, just, you know, but then at a certain point, I went, you know what, we're adults, you should know it's my fucking opinion, because I wouldn't be fucking saying it otherwise, so I don't say it anymore, you know, I shouldn't have to say something's my opinion, because it should be understood it's my opinion, and you shouldn't be butthurt over it, you know, we all are just, we're all just assholes giving our opinions, the difference is some of us have healthy self-esteem and it doesn't you know upset us because other people think different things you know and I, I really don't do this to upset people i'm just being honest i feel you know it's like look i like this and i know a lot of people don't but i like but i'm not saying it to offend people i'm just saying it because you know what the fuck am i gonna say lie i'm gonna lie and say well i don't like ghosts i don't like uh you know pantera because all my friends are, i'm I've just got to be honest, and, and you know, out of everybody online that bashes me for whatever, it's like, bitch, you you were never there at Thrash or Die Rehearsal. Those guys put you to shame with that <laughs> me, you know? Yeah. 
But that's that's another thing too that annoys me. Just when people come in and they like they give you some shit about your video and what you think or what they did and what you should have done, and then you go. And sometimes I don't do this so much anymore, but initially I would click on their channel and they got like no videos and nothing, and it's just like, dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My, like, let, put your opinion just, out there. Yeah. My yeah. favorite is when people have no subscriber, no nothing, telling me how to do my. Yeah. It's like, dude, why don't you why don't you make a hour and a half video about Motorhead yeah, and then we'll talk. Let's see how good you are. You know? yeah, let's see what what you do. But, you know. I, I get that a lot. <laughs> but most, you know, I say ninety nine point nine percent of times I never reply. I just hide them from the channel. It's like, what's the point? I am not going to reply to you because that's what you want. That's what you crave. I'm not going to give you what you want. I just hide you. And then there are a handful of people going, oh, you blocked me, you can't take it. No, it's not that I can't take it. It's that I just don't want to deal with it. You're not worth my time. You're <laughs> I look, striving for attention. There was one guy the other day. He left a comment going, no way Kiss lip syncs. There's no way. <laughs> and, and I honestly knew what this guy was doing. He doesn't think that. He just wants the attention. I know he knows what Kiss lip syncs. Yeah, it's like now, clickbait. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh man, I need attention. Let me say Kiss doesn't, you know, come on. And then, you know, there's a lot of gullible people. They they reply, you're an idiot. They do, it's like, dude, he knows this. He's just fishing for attention, you know? You know what, I just realized, you know what would probably get me, uh, like, thousands of subscribers? I should make a video that says, Kiss went woke. With uh, big question marks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Or just for Kiss. <laughs> oh my god, Kiss! He's doing a video on Kiss, guys! Oh my what god! What did Kiss just say? <laughs> that's what I think about, you know, I love about Ralph's numbers. Ralph has these great numbers on his channel, and he, there's no clickbait, there's no bullshit, he doesn't do cheap things. It's just him just saying what he thinks of shit. You know, that's it. And, and you know, it's authentic, it's real. There is so much, and that's the thing, the deeper, you know, I'm into YouTube and do more channels, I just see there's so much bullshit, there's so much hustle, there's just so much fake shit there. You know, there's some, a lot of good shit, too. You know, I actually think, I agree with you, Ralph, that's one of the better platforms out there that allows people to, to give their opinions and stuff, unlike a lot of other platforms. But there's a lot of bullshit, and there's a lot of hustlers out there. But, Ralph, your channel is just, like, straight up, it's real. You know, even when you're just doing the track by track stuff for like, you know, for people paying you, it's still you're being honest. Like, you know, you're not going to go there and like do some song and dance like you were saying about Ween or whatever. You're just going to give your honest opinion, you know, yeah, no matter I, what. I do apologize some. Well, every time it's like, look, you know, because sometimes them, like what was the one I did? There was a uh, silver shed not too long ago. And this guy's like one of my favorite albums. So, you know, before I start, I go, look, I'm sorry. Okay. In no way I'm bashing you. It's cool that you like Silverchair, but this was painful, man. Go <laughs> into it, but at the end, you know, at the end of it, is, it's awesome that you like Silverchair. In no way I'm looking down on you. You know, uh, I hate bands, not fans. You know, Ian's Ian's opposite, but you know, that's Ian. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, man, it's like I don't mean to offend people, and and you know, and I also have to do that on videos because. If you're going to send me shit, you're going to have to be prepared to maybe me not liking it, you know? And most of the time, I'm telling you, most of the time people send me shit where I don't know who they are, it, it, it's horrible. But Chuck Charles has been good. That guy, 
he turned me on to Orange Goblin and then uh, oh great fucking band and the Clash. I always hated the Clash, man. But when yeah. he, when he he made me hear London Calling, and I was I was like fucking double album of this crap, and I was like holy shit, this is awesome, man. I, after I was done my truck by track, I went on Amazon and bought it. You know, fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah that, that shocked me too because I knew you never liked the the Clash. Oh, now it's an album too. Like uh, maybe I need to give a second chance because I listened to that one. I was not, I was not not a huge fan of it. It just like I don't know, was, they're they're a band that was just too everywhere for me. Uh, you know, they weren't like the Ramones where they could like do different things but still make it sound punk. Yeah, you know, but it, it, the thing about the Clash with me is that my friend Henry lent me their first two albums when I was a kid. I was like fourteen. I was like, ew. Yeah, <laughs> I never gave it a chance again, and then I would hear like rock the Casbah crap like that. And I'm like, this band sucks. Yeah, I never. And then it didn't help that they called themselves like the oh, we're the only band that matters. Yeah, no, and also another factor was Rolling Stone magazine put like Steve Jones or whatever that guy's name is. Mick Jones, the, yeah. the, the, the like number three greatest guitar players. That made me hate them more. I was like, fuck this critic's darling faggot band, you know? But yeah. London Calling is all over the place, and I love it for that. I was like, and it's not a punk album. No, it's, it's, it really it's, like, yeah. it's, it's like the Beatles a lot, that, yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. And, and I went back and listened to those two albums that my friend lent me when I was a kid, and I loved them. Those are kind of Ramones-ish, even though Martin Popoff said, I disagree. I, dude, I think that first album... It sounds a lot like the Ramones, a lot of the riffs, you know? Yeah, it, it does. It's, uh, so I ended up liking that, too, you know? I, I didn't like Santa Nista or the other ones as much, but the first three are phenomenal, man. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Charles Manson, you know? There you go. Yeah, I agree. Santa Nista, uh, maybe there's a good album in there. It's, there's not even a good double album in there. But there's like, <laughs> there, there might be, and it's a triple album. But there, there might Cut the be, Crap is a bad there, one, too. About, oh, that's horrible. That was but, a train record. There's about ten good songs of Santa Nista, and there's about five good songs on Combat Rock. But, yeah, I agree uh, that the first three albums are the best. And London Calling, I think, is definitely head above feels the best thing. God, what an album, man. I couldn't believe how good it was. Like, I, I do think, I like The Clash a lot. I think they are a little overrated by people. Only because, it's like, if all their albums were as good as London Calling, I would be like, yeah, I get it. They deserve to be rated as high. But most of their albums aren't that good, in my opinion. Yeah. Where, whereas, this is a perfect segue, whereas the Ramones, at least their first five albums, no doubt about it, are definitely, I mean, I, I just think the Ramones blow away The Clash. But, hey, oh, uh, I, I, I love... I love End of the Century, but I don't know, man. I think the first four are perfect. I fucking yeah. yeah you, you picked up on that. Yeah, I, I count End of the Century. Uh, I know most people will probably just say the no, first I four. Do I love, love End of the Century. I love it. I do love it, but I don't think it's as strong as the first four. I agree. I do I like the that. first four a little bit better, but I do think it's a very strong fifth best album. And I do like the 80s stuff, and I know you like it too. I, Ralph, Love I, do, I do like a lot of the 80s stuff. I don't think it's as consistent as their, you know, 70s, late 70s albums, but it's all good stuff, you know. I mean, we'll get into it, but I'm curious, uh, because I asked Eric, Eric was saying we should do a Ramones episode, we should do a Ramones episode, because he's a huge fan. I'm a huge fan as well. 
And I said, pick an album. And he picked this album. It's funny because I was thinking to myself, I hope he picks Road to Ruin. <laughs> and then he picked <laughs> exactly the album I wish because this is my favorite Ramones album. So I didn't tell you that before, Eric. I want oh, to no reveal way. it now. This is my favorite Ramones album. No, that's a good fucking choice. Yeah, uh, it wasn't always. It's kind of shifted around a little bit. I think mine's probably... It's a tie between um, Leave Home and then this one. This one's also, like, you know, one that... It's back and forth between this one and uh, Leave Home as, like, which one's my favorite. So what's your favorite, Ralph? Probably Rocket to Russia, but but you know what? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm thinking, you know, from the first four, yeah, I think I like Rocket to Russia... A little more, but it's also a very special album to me. It's a timeline album. Yeah, Rock, Rocket, Rocket to Russia was, when I was younger, was my favorite. That was my favorite when I was younger. Then I had a period where it was the first album. I really got into that oh, first The oh, first one fucking amazing. rules. Like Van Halen 1, it's like, you know, it's fucking... Every, or Black Sabbath's first album. It's one of those albums that just changed everything. It's like the way Sabbath created metal... The Ramones created punk rock, you know, they created punk rock, and it's that album changed everything. But in recent years, it's like in the past two or three years, just Road to Ruin, and we'll get more into it when we get into it, but I don't know, I just feel like it covers everything that the Ramones did well, you know, it's their most eclectic album, it's like, when it's heavy, it's like their heaviest, when it's lighter, it's light, their lightest, it's a lot of different sides and shades, I kind of just feel like it's peak Ramones, you know. And yeah. I, I love 78. 78's a great year. Oh, Rap, great year. Because he's, you know, getting into a lot of... His, like, 78 for rap is kind of like me when I'm always talking about, like, 90, 91. Like, it's that year. It sounds like 78 to you, to me, Ralph, when you talk about, it, like, the late 70s. Like, that's, like, probably the most important period for you in terms of your formation of your musical taste. Without a doubt. Especially 1980, but... Yeah, it's 77, 78, 79 is where... I was really getting into it, but 80 is where, to me, it climaxed. Like, the greatest, to me, the greatest albums came out in 1980. It was just the perfect time. I was 15. 15 and 14 are like the... That, when you get into stuff at that age, is like, dude, that's six you to life. Yep. So what was your... So how did... Did you get into the Ramones back then? What's your history with the Ramones, Ralph? Yeah, um, I... I, you know, because... Since I'm so ancient, it's very hard for me. <laughs> it's very hard for me to pinpoint if I heard the Ramones before this. But I got into the Ramones when I got the the soundtrack to the movie Over the Edge without even seeing the movie Over the Edge. I didn't see the movie Over the Edge until like three years after I got that soundtrack. But it had Teenage Lobotomy on it, and I mean I played that album to death, and I was like, God, I love this. It was a Ramones. great movie too. Yeah, so I bought Rocket to Rush after that, and uh, and then I bought everything uh, all the way up to um, uh, end of the century. I was I already had all the all the Ramones albums, and end of the century, the Ramones were playing this place called the Agaro Ballroom, which was a a little club, and I was too young to get in, and uh, but I went anyway because I wanted to put my ear to the wall, and I went went with my friends and I hung out backstage. To um to listen to the Ramones, and one of the bouncers came out and let me in and made me stand next to him on the side of the stage. So I saw the Ramones on the side of the stage, and uh, and Dee Dee Ramone patted my head on the way out. 
Um, yeah. I'm, I'm 5'11 now. But, man, I was a late grower because I was very short till I was like, dude, seriously, 16, 17, I'll never forget that summer. I was like, ow! Because my butt <laughs> was stretching. All my butt was stretching. <laughs> ow! And I was like, 5'11, but I was always like, dude, the doctors even said I was going to be a dwarf when I was a kid. You know, I was always going to be this really short because I was always very short, and I was short that night. And Didi Ramon sees a short little kid, and he's like, ah, he cuts my head in the way. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, never going to wash my hair again. And I did it. I kept my promise. <laughs> that's, that's that's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and, and I've never missed the Ramones after that performance. I've seen the Ramones like 30 plus times. Wow. Always, I've, I've always been a huge Ramones fan. And yes, I stuck with it. You know, I, every album in the 80s always had some great songs, but they were chock full of fillers. Uh, yeah. After, like, starting with Pleasant Dreams, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, even at the end of the century, to me, I I think it has fillers, but uh, it's the type of fillers where I can sit through. Uh, where a lot of the later ones I have to skip certain songs, but but I've always kept up with the Ramones, man. And uh, one of my biggest regrets is never taking the time to try to meet them. You know, I don't know why I never did that. As many times I saw them, I could have easily met them with so many little. I mean, they came here and played the divious little bars you can think of you know through the 80s they just wouldn't give up and yeah. it always amazing amazing live I never seen a bad Ramon show ever it was always great wow that's amazing because you know a lot of people especially younger people never got a chance to see them because they all like you know the three main guys died all relatively young so yeah, that was dude, it dude having the last name Ramon was like being a, a goddamn Kennedy it was like it's like a death curse sadly yeah the yes. dead Ramones got a start fan call the dead Ramones <laughs> I, it, it's ironic now too because I think for the first time in like, I, I feel like starting maybe 10 years ago I feel like for the first time the Ramones would actually be like could be like headlining arenas like I feel like they built up a legacy that they would be more popular now as a legacy act than they were back in the day. You know, I agree. I, I think they could have yeah, yeah. survived. I think they could have been like having like a arena, like a arena yeah. show or something. Yeah, like look at when the, the Misfits did that reunion. Like too, they they filled up you know those two big venues. Like yeah, I, the Ramones bigger than the Misfits even. So I feel like yep. they would have been much bigger if they if they had only lived. If they only had lived, guys, you would have eventually. Would eventually got it, but it's sad because at this time period, yeah, they're playing a little close. But you know, in the late seventies, and with this album, and actually pretty much every album for at least five years there, the Ramones were kind of actively trying to be a bigger, more popular band. You know, they weren't like against being, you know, ha making money and, and playing big places. They they wanted to. You know, they eventually settled into like, okay, I guess we're just a punk band and we'll just play for our audience, but. From like, I'd say from, especially from rock, you know, um, from Rocket to Russia, ended to Pleasant Dreams, really. You could see that they're real, they're trying, they're trying to be like, we're trying to kind of like ACDC, like in the late 70s, like, but whereas it worked for ACDC and they became very successful, just didn't click. Like, even though their productions got bigger and they got slicker and the songwriting got more eclectic and, and they got popular, just, you know, and I do think a lot of it is superficial. I think if Joey Ramone was a really handsome, dreamy guy, you know, women, I think, because their songs are so catchy. 
that you're telling me if fucking Joey Ramone was in some fucking hunky dreamboat, you know, that singing like I want to be sedated or something, you're telling me like that wouldn't have been a hit? I, I can't say. I really think that the looks hurt the Ramones. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, oh, without a doubt. And Joey, to me, I even did an episode on just him because he is my one of my favorite singers. I put him in my top ten, maybe even top five. There was a, a very romantic, when he gets all very uh, mellow and shit, like some, yeah. two of these songs on this album. I mean, it's, it's really, man. I mean, I can see chicks like fawn over him like that chick in rock and roll high school. <laughs> Yeah, that that voice. He's got a very charismatic, uh, unique, and you know, very pretty voice. And yeah, if he if he was if he looked like you know Mark Allen Taylor, chicks be going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a sad thing, but you know, but but a lot of times, especially not saying primarily, you know, it's funny because people talk about toxic masculinity, but I think this is an element of toxic femininity. Toxic thing about women is that men, men might, they say men think with their dicks, but I don't think for the most part when they listen to music, like they might think Britney Spears is hot, but if they're a metalhead, they're not going to fucking listen to that shit. They might have sex with her. She was at a bar drunk with them, but they don't want to listen to the music. Whereas women, I do think a lot of times they listen with their vagina. I agree. That's that's a hundred percent true. I never thought of it that way, but you are hundred percent correct. I mean, I mean, you know, there's some exceptions, you know, uh, but but there's uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of women. Uh, I mean, even look, you think about the Beatles. They didn't give a shit about what the Beatles were doing. They were screaming their heads off. They couldn't even hear the fucking Beatles play. Yeah, that's what <laughs> happened when they grew mustaches for Sgt. Pepper and they reacted to that Strawberry Fields video. They're like, ugh. Yeah, and that's when the men start listening to them. That's the thing, you know, because you know, men generally listen to music to listen to music, whereas women just want to fucking lose their shit and have some fantasy. Ooh, this guy is taking me away, this hunky guy. You know, and, you know, obviously there's some exceptions. But, yeah, we all know. The Ramones, if Joey Ramone looked like fucking Rick Springfield, these uh, this album that we're talking about now would be a big hit. This this is one yeah. of the catchiest albums ever recorded. And it's it's almost, I'd almost say it's like pop rock punk, you know? Yep. And I look about, like, 20 years later of Green Day, because, yeah, Billy Joe, when he was younger, he was like a cute guy, so the girls liked it. You know, he's just doing a fucking fake bullshit version of the Clash and the Ramones. But he was this cute guy with slick videos doing it, so the girls liked it. Whereas yep. Joey Ramone looks like a monster, and they don't. And that's just it, you know, and it's sad. Because Joey Ramone was a fucking prince. He might have looked like a monster, but he had the heart of a fucking prince. Yeah. 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 Joey, Joey Ramone's got some hot chicks, too, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean you know, yeah, there's still, thank God for some cool stuff. Sexy punk rock women. Let's just say that. <laughs> Debbie Harrison said that he was extremely sexy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so you know, and like I said, hey, we know uh, we got a shared Facebook friend. A little shout out to Bren- Brenda Ann Love. She has great music taste. Brenda, you got great music taste. She loves the Ramones. She's actually a person who reminded me that it was Dee Dee's uh, birthday. And so there are some cool chicks out there that like cool music and don't just listen with their fucking vagina. But most of them, <laughs> most of them do. Just saying. Yeah, and, like like Bushy, Bushy and Mark, they like poison because they listen to them with their vagina. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, look at Brett Michaels. He's a pretty, hey, hey, hey. He's a pretty guy. Outside. <laughs> pretty guy. Yeah, I mean, look, look at fucking Poison. One of the greatest examples of that. <laughs> if, if Brett Michaels looked like Udo, <laughs> they would they not be big. Charts. No, they, they wouldn't even insult the music. They go, this, this sucks. Like, they would have the same song. Okay, so uh, let's down. Do you have any specific memories about this album when you like first bought it, or the, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, because uh, at that time I was hell bent on getting all three uh, Ramones albums after I bought um, Rocket to Russia, and I remember vividly like uh, that was the second one I bought, and I think it was the strength of the album cover because kind of cartoony and shit. Yeah, yeah, kid, love it, and. Uh, I cut lawns, you know, and I remember specifically the time I cut a lawn for Rocket uh, for this album. Um, and um, yeah, I do remember. I remember bringing it home and right off the bat, you know, hearing, you know, want to have something to do with like, hooked. So yeah, I remember vividly putting the needle down and hearing that song first and going, God, this is so good. You know, it's just, it's just amazing music, man. Amazing. Let's just get into it then. So, uh, yeah, you, anything else you want to say about the first track? I just want to have something to do. It, it has that catchy, infectious, you know, music. That da, 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 da. And Joey's infectious voice and the way he says tonight over and over again. I don't get bored of it, you know. I'm like, I, want some, I need somebody tonight from Motley Crue or whatever. Oh, the good song, but my God, I get bored after a while hearing them say tonight, you know, but oh my God, the way this guy just sings and the music and, and I love that, hey, you know, that chanting little thing. It's a perfect Ramon song. I absolutely love it. Great opening track. Okay, I'll take it next. I agree 100%. Actually, 110%. Because this is my very favorite Ramon song. It's my, it, I, I always, as soon as I heard it, first time I heard this song, it became instantly my favorite Ramon song. Always has been. It's one of my jukebox songs. I always play it if I'm out someplace with jukebox. It's everything you said, Ralph. I love how Joey sings tonight. This was one that he wrote the lyrics to. And you just feel like he's singing it and you just feel the passion, you know? Like I said, there's a romanticism to it and there's an excitement. And it's also kind of like the where they're kind of transitioning. I think with um, with Marky, and this is the first album to have Marky Ramone on the drums, I feel like this was the first time where the Ramones became a little more metal, you know? Like this kind of foreshadows their 80s sound a little bit, where the guitars are a little beefier, they're a little heavier sounding, and like like there's a gu- guitar soloing, like there's like some lead guitar soloing, like towards the end of the track, and just the overall vibe, it just feels a little more metal than the first three albums, which were a little more just you know punk rock. So and you get that throughout this album, but especially this song. To me, this is like a perfect hybrid between like metal, punk, and pop, you know, because it's so catchy. And to me, it's just perfect. Also, it kind of has a nice, like the guitar riff that you're talking about, the da na 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 reminds me a little of, um, like they would do this riff a couple times in different ways. Like, actually, the first time we fly the, the album right before, Rocket of Russia with I Don't Care, where it's that mid-tempo kind of 
grungier kind of riff, and, and and then they did it a few other times on some other songs. But I feel like of all the times that they kind of played around, and I love I don't care, it's an awesome fucking song. But this is my favorite time that they did, did like a mid tempo kind of darker sounding kind of song, and I just love everything about it. I think it's one of the greatest goddamn songs ever written in a awesome way to kick off an album you know it's just and i we'll talk about this when we talk about the movie later but i love that sequence in the movie too where they sing it you know in uh, rock and roll high school just awesome awesome song my favorite ramon song what do you think eric i also i also want to say i'm sorry to cut you off here <laughs> real quick i love the whammy bar in this song yeah he's like soloing this yeah. is like proper metal so this is like i said this don't you agree rap that this is kind of like one of the first metal ramon songs yeah, yeah, I, what you're saying, yeah, I, I do see it. I mean, you, even though it's not metal, um, I Want to Be Sedated kind of is the blueprint of this album a little bit. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that's, you know, the catchiness, and it is kind of heavy, you know, with the riff and shit, but it's very melodic. But, yeah, I, I felt like that was kind of a blueprint of where they were going with this one. Yeah. So, and what do you think, Eric? Oh man, uh, it's awesome that you said what you said, Edwin, because this is also my favorite Ramon song, and I fucking love this tune. <laughs> oh man, I just love this one, man. Just uh, this, I think this is the song too that just made me go like, all right, this is the one I want to review because I need to talk about this song. Uh, it, it's fucking awesome. Um, I love, uh, you know, I'll try not to talk too much about it. We'll wait for the end to talk about Rock and Roll High School, but I do love how they use this, like in the in the movie when they're like when they first arrive in the movie and they're like on that car you know playing the song you know even joe uh joey ramon has like the piece of chicken when he says like eating chicken in the lyric yeah. one of the few times i like food being mentioned in songs uh is when the ramones do it um but yeah i fucking love this song it's like uh it's them kind of like doing like metal in a way because uh you know obviously marky you know marky came into the band and he kind of brought, like, a, a different sound to them in a way. And uh, they started experimenting with stuff like, you know, guitar solos. And, you know, this is an album where they really tried different things. And it still works, though. It's like, they can, like, experiment with all these different sounds that they do on this album, but still sound punk at the end of the day and still make it work. And, you know, it doesn't sound forced. And I love this one. I love, like, the soloing. Like, uh, you know, if I had to pick a favorite Ramon, it'd totally be Johnny. Johnny's my favorite Ramon, and, uh, man, his guitar work on this album is fucking phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, love this fucking song. Just, you know, real angsty, man. Just makes you feel like a damn, you know, rebellious teenager again. Love it. Awesome. Raph, what do you think of the second track, I Want It Everything? I love it. There, you can kind of hear, even though I don't have the album in front of me, um, I was listening to this album today, and I'm listening to this song, and it's like, did D.D. Ramon write this one? Yeah, he wrote, yeah, he wrote this yeah, one. It, it, it's, it's, it has that D.D. vibe to it, and, uh, yeah, with the catchiness and the heaviness, and, uh, man, what can I, what can I not say about this? I mean, I, I can go on forever. I wanted everything. It's one of my favorites, another one of my favorites on here. Um, I just love it. I love the vibe. I think D.D. Ramon was a musical genius, really. Agreed. Uh, misunderstood genius, really. And uh, I love it. I love I Want Everything. That's what I, that's what I think. Yeah. A lot of, I don't think a lot of like casual fans know that D.D. Ramon wrote a lot of their songs. It's pretty much D.D. and Joey. You know, Johnny is a great guitarist, but he didn't really write 
much. You know, it was pretty much just Dee Dee. In, in the early days, it was mainly Dee Dee. And then Joey started to write more. On this album, it's pretty divided. It's split up between Joey and Dee Dee. And then there's a few songs where they all chime in. But yeah, Dee Dee was a great songwriter. One of these great bassist songwriters, you know, that there are in metal and punk. And yeah, they, I guess he's like the most punk in a way, I think, in the band. Like, he just brought so, that yeah. time. Yeah. And I Want Everything's just a great fucking heavy punk song. It's heavy, it's fast. It shows that even the, like the first song's a little poppier or more melodic, but this one's... But even though it's heavy, it's catchy. And it got, you can hear the influence like years later, even like with like Nirvana, like Nevermind, where they could be kind of heavy, but really like bubblegum at the same time, you know? Really catchy, like there's hooks. Like it's heavy, but it's kind of like heavy bubblegum. You know, and that's kind of what the Ramones always did. I think from the first album, they they were like heavy bubblegum, and I love that. And I want everything. It just fuck. You just listen to it, and you get charged up. How can you not love? I want everything. What do you think, Eric? Oh man, fucking killer tune. Uh, I like I like too how like you know the first song, you know it's a little bit poppier, a little bit catchier, and then you go into this song, and this song's just a little bit. It's still. It's still catchy, still got them hooks in it, but it's a little bit more punkier, a little bit more aggressive. You know, the first song's kind of like, here's our new album, here's kind of like the new sound we're going with, and then this one's like, alright, here's some familiar shit. Um, just great, fast song. Um, uh, it's also three minutes and 18 seconds long, which, uh, man, that's like an F, that's some eight, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner shit for <laughs> the Ramones, you know, that's a pretty long song. Yeah, you uh, look at this, most of those tracks have a two uh, at the front of the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> man, it's just a fucking killer song, man. I, I dig it. You know, it's just, I mean, spoiler, I mean, there's really not a, there's not a bad song on this album. So you're just going to hear me gush, but I love this tune. Real fun song. Okay, awesome. Ralph, what do you think of the third track? Another one written by Dee Dee Ramone and very different. Don't come close. Yeah, you know, it, it is. I didn't know Dee Dee wrote this. but Yeah, he wrote this one too. You wouldn't think that. You would think it was Joey, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, because it has that kind of Joey flair to it. Yeah, but apparently, at least according to Wikipedia, it says Dee Dee wrote this one. Wow. Oh, wow. great. Another great tune. Uh, and, you know, I mean, very, kind of different, a little different, uh, but, you know, it's still very Ramones, and I like the, the kind of like pummeling uh, chorus with it, don't come close. Uh, he says that, you know, over and over. It's, uh, it's a classic, man. This one's a classic, and Maybe I'm thinking wrong, but isn't this one a very long one, almost three minutes? Uh, almost. Uh, let me yeah, look here. I got the wiki minutes, page. It's two minutes and forty-four seconds. Wow, that's long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great tune! I love it. Yeah, I love it too. It's great to see you know different shades, different sides. Uh, you know, this is the thing about the Ramones. So much like they're they're. I always said that they're um deceptively simple like you listen to it but they could do so many variations with just a few chords and create such great melodies and hooks and they're just like little perfect short songs and you could tell like they studied a lot like they listened to early Beatles and like early Beach Boys and they could hear like how you could just make a little perfect song and whether it was heavier or lighter and you get this throughout this whole album, the different shades between the poppier songs and the more punk songs. But the thing that the punk songs and the poppier songs have in common is that they're just like kind of perfect little 
uh, catchy little gems, and like they just know how to layer melody over the riffage and the riffs, and it's perfect. It's really just crackerjack songwriting, you know. That's something you know. Lemmy, he was a huge Ramones fan, and you could totally tell that this is like kind of stuff that Lemmy loved because it was like old classic rock and roll, but just you know and. It's like they just knew like how to just write a, just write a perfect song, and that's the thing. A lot of artists might get up there and some you know, and like they play a couple chords and they think like, oh, simple like the Ramones. Anyone could be the Ramones, but not everyone could do that much with just a few chords and make little perfect pops, rock, punk, whatever you want to call it, songs like the Ramones. Like there's a real artistry to that that I think is even though they get a lot of acclaim, I think they're. Underrated in a lot of ways because I don't think people talk about them in terms of their songwriting. Everyone's just like about like oh they invented punk, they played fast, one two three, you know, kind of go. But they're just really amazing songwriters. You know, Didi and especially was just a great songwriter. What do you think of Don't Come Close, Eric? Oh man, it's just a beautiful song, and uh, this is one that just it hits you out left field because it's so different. And this is really where like the exper- you start to see the experimentation that they do but man it's just it's so good and i I was shocked too to find out that this is a dd song because this totally sounds like something joey would write this totally sounds like it's in joey's wheelhouse because you know joey was a big fan of the phil specter you know uh 50s and 60s like you know soul and r&b stuff you know and this kind of sounds like that it's even also too got like a little bit it's got like some twangy like countryish sounding guitars yeah. in it as well uh but man it's just it's so good and like i said the 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 ramones are one of the, like the ramones are like a punk band that they can just do shit like this that's so out of left field but it doesn't sound forced it doesn't sound pretentious it just sounds natural and it still works and it still works as like a you know they still work as a punk band and it doesn't sound out of place at all it just sounds perfect it's you know, the Ramones are the only guys that could really do stuff like this and still, you know, make it punk. Uh, and I love, like, the little solo. Like, it's nothing complicated, like the guitar solo by Johnny. It's nothing complicated, but I like that little guitar solo in it because it kind of, like, adds a little bit of heaviness to, like, what's really, like, a really soft, beautiful, like, uh, poppy song. And uh, I like what you said, Edwin, about, like, the Ramones, like, you know, the simplicity of them. You know, everyone thinks, like, oh, you know, they say the same thing about, like, ACDC and even KISS. Uh, you know, like, oh, it's just so simple, same three chords, this and that. And it's like, but there's an art to it. You can't just, no band can just do this and make every song still sound, like, really good and catchy. You know, there's an art to it. And I always hate this idea that simplicity is such a bad thing. Like, when people compare bands and, like, they're talking about, like, maybe you know, Iron Maidens or, like, you know, Led Zeppelin to, like, ACDC or, or Kiss, and, like, people just bag on the band that's more simplistic. You know, it's like, in, you know, there's just something, there's an art to simplicity, and not everything has to be so complex and, like, you know, yeah, having the best musicians in the world and this and that. Sometimes it's just a simple song by a guy that maybe can't isn't the greatest guitar player and a guy that's not the greatest singer that can make, like, the greatest song ever. There's yeah, an art simplicity. Yeah, it's a, they just have this grasp of melody, and it shows you like when I think is this like the first Ramones song that's not distorted that has clean guitars. I'm trying. I'm, think, I, I'm thinking, thinking of the so. first three albums. There is, right? Yeah, there's like acoustic on this, and uh, I don't think they used acoustic. If 
acoustic yeah, on the I, first yeah, and, uh, and, and, and it's like three, it's, I mean. It's, and it's like a clean electric on it. It's just, uh, I don't think they did that on the first three albums. But, yeah, it reminds me, too, and it's funny because they evoke this in the movie that we'll be talking later, too. It reminds me of a Help song a little bit. Like, uh, there's, a co- there's like a handful of songs on this album that remind me of the Beatles, like Help, like the, the songs on it. Like, you said the country twang. There's just a little quality to it because Help is kind of like a country bubblegum album in a lot of ways. That's yeah, how I, a lot of songs on there that yeah. have that twanginess. Yeah, and, and and then the movie, you know, that came out, you know, the following year, Rock and Roll High School, I feel it's like, it, it feels like kind of Help It-esque. So I know a lot of this is like sounds like Help, this album, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and oh, just one last thing before we move on, just about this uh, the song. I just, it's this, this melody... And Joey, I don't know, I, th- I disagree with this idea that Joey, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of range, but he could just, he knows how to just sing a melody and just make it like kind of, just, just have feeling to it. And oh yeah, you can feel the emotion in his voice, man. Just emotion to it. And it just, and it's just a very unique voice. I also think this also a little foreshadowing a new wave. You could hear like the B early B-52s and Stuff in like the early uh, '80s, the Go Go's. You know, you could totally hear like the Go Go's digging a song like this, and so. And this is '78, so I just feel like it's very innovative. Uh, this album, it sounds late '70s, but also kind of early '80s as well. Like I could picture these songs being used like in Valley Girl or something. You know, just oh, has. Reed. Uh, I actually uh, got a Valley Girl reference to make on a later song on this. Oh, there you <laughs> go. We we're both thinking of Valley Girl. Yeah. Uh, so, Ralph, the next track, I Don't Want You. Can you take this? I just got to give some of my neighbor real quick. I'll be right back. All right. Well, now we start rocking hard again. And this is another great, a little similar to I Wanted Everything. Great, you know, rocker, heavy, perfect balance. You know, this is the thing this album's going to do a lot is that it kind of jumps from heavier and I think the production is beefier and a little heavier. So you know what I'm saying, Eric, where yeah. I feel like where it's heavier, it's actually heavier than they've been. But where it's lighter, it's lighter than they've been. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and this is why it's my favorite Ramones album. It's just because I feel like it, it, it just, you get it all. You get the heaviness and you get the the, the popular bubblegum stuff too. You know, it's a perfect, it's a perfect balance. Kind of, again, a little like the White Album, where it's like one of these albums where, you know, like, which had like the heaviest Beatles songs, but then these light, beautiful, poppy songs, too. So, you know, you get like a full meal with this album. And I don't want you just a great, catchy, fucking snappy punk rock song with like a fucking mean edge to it. I fucking love it. What do you think if I don't want you? Oh, man, I love this song. Just another great, catchy tune. Uh, like you said, I kind of like that balance where, like, you know, you get, like, the, the really soft, like, acoustic, like, kind of out of left field, like, almost like love song. And then you go back into, like, the rockin', like, punk, fast stuff. Uh, but it's still catchy, though, you know. And, man, it's the kind of fucking song that you listen to if, like, a chick breaks up with you or if you're with a chick that treats you bad. Like, you know, fuck you, I don't want you, you know. Get the hell out of here. Love this song, man. It's just so fucking cool. Uh, just man, this album just like you know, let, hitting you left and right with just classics. It's amazing. Yeah, Ralph, you back? Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I love this one because it's uh, it's so Ramones because it's got the heaviness to it, but then there's that melodic uh, texture, the catchiness, 
and uh, it's a it's a ripping tune, but at the same time, it's a it's just a feel good song. It really does uh, uh, bring bring like a really good feeling, even though it's a kind of like a dark subject. Um, I love it. I love. I don't want to use awesome song. Awesome, and then we're going to, and it's funny because we already had like a curveball, don't come close, and then we get an even bigger curveball with the next one, the only cover on the album, Needles and Pins, and it was actually a song written by, a pop song, uh, first done by a band called The Searchers, written by Sonny Bono, Yep. and Jack Nietzsche, who... I didn't know that. Sonny yeah, <laughs> Sonny Bono and Jack Nietzsche who did a lot of piano and stuff with the Rolling Stones, actually. Uh, so, yeah, interesting combo. And they wrote Needles and Pins. It, I've heard the original. It's a beautiful song. I even like the original. But I do like the Ramones version even better. And it's a beautiful cover. And it's just, uh, I, I listen to this song, and it's just like magic. It's just beautiful. They make it their own. It's the fact that this is a cover of an old hit and it's very similar to another song that's on the second side that's an original just shows you that again how great the Ramones were because here here you got you got Sonny Bono and Jack Nietzsche those guys were professionals (laughs) writing pop people writing fucking songs Sonny Bono co-wrote you know that big I want you you know I got you babe song (laughs) and and the Ramones are writing stuff like like this. If you didn't know it was a cover, you would just think it was another song on this album because Dee Dee is writing shit that's just like this. Even you know, which we'll talk more about when we get to the second side, another song which you guys know which song I'm talking about. But Needles and Pins, it's a great cover. It's a great song. I just love it. What do you think of it, Ralph? Yeah. Again, this is. Um why Joey Ramone's one of my favorite singers of all time. The way he delivers this song, it's just gorgeous, man. And, uh, I saw it today and kind of like, uh, gets a little more intense, his vocals toward the end. And, but, but man, does he nail it, man. He just nails the, you know, his voice is, it's very tortured. You know, you can hear the torture in his voice while he's talking about, you know, Love Gone Bad and Needles and Pins, man. One of my favorite, probably my favorite Ramones cover. You know, uh, they've done quite a few, but this may be my favorite cover Ramones has ever done. I absolutely love Needles and Pins. Great song. Yeah, I think it's my favorite cover too, thinking about it. And they have done a lot of great covers, but yeah, I think this is the best one. What do you think, Eric? Oh, it's fucking beautiful, and I, I didn't even know for the longest time this was a cover, and I, I was shocked when I found out it was a cover of a, a Sonny, uh, song written by Sonny Bono and Jack Nietzsche. Uh, it's, I was shocked, you know, but, uh, you know, it makes sense, though, because it, it has that sound to it. It's like, you know, like, it has that sound of, like, a 50s, 60s, like, Phil Spector-style, like, pop song, um, and it, it's just amazing. The Ramones do, like, these style songs so well, and it's amazing how there's a cover on here, but yet they also did a, a song on the album earlier that was, it, it sounded like this, almost like the similar style. So it's just, you know, it's amazing. You can tell that, that style of music was a huge influence on them growing up. Um, and like Ralph said, I mean, jo- Joey's delivery is just phenomenal. Like he, you just feel the pain. You feel the pain and the heartbreak in his voice. Like you feel every emotion 
that he's singing about, you know, and, uh, you know, and Joey seemed like one of those kind of tragic figures, man, like, he was just, just, like, some guy that was just, you know, very lonely and all that, and I, you know, there's the famous, you know, feud between him and Johnny, because, you know, he, there's a girl he was dating, and Johnny, you know, took her and married her, and, like, they literally didn't even talk for the longest time, uh, yeah. like, pretty much to, like, the very end, uh, you know, which is sad, but, you know, Joey seemed like that kind of tragic, you know, figure, man. You can really feel it in his voice when he sings these kind of songs. It's just fucking, it's beautiful. And I, I love, like, those 50s, like, those 50s and 60s, like, melodramatic kind of songs. You know, like, uh, you know, End of the World and, like, uh, Last Kiss, which I think Pearl Jam covered. Uh, I, I love those kind of songs. They're just something about them. It's just, like, you can't really make songs like that anymore that hold the same kind of, you know, that sound is good. Yeah, and and then when you think about, it, I know I always was, I always thought that was so fucked up. You know, Joey's in a band of a guy who stole his woman that he loved. Like, think about that. I always yeah. thought that was the inspiration for the KKK took my baby away. I think so. I think that was the inspiration <laughs> for that song. Uh, yeah, it's you know, yeah, it, you could always hear. He was this pain guy. He was this you know pain guy because like especially before he, you know, obviously before he had a band. You know, he was not a guy that women were going to be getting with, you know. And yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm sure he had years and years of adolescent rejection and being a misfit. And, you know, it's the same way because, you know, Brian Wilson, you know, from the Beach Boys was an offbeat, odd guy. You know, he had some mental issues and he was a little overweight. And, you know, he you heard it in his voice, too. And obviously they were another big influence, you know, on, on Joey. And you just hear it. You can hear it when it's it's a misfit that, like I said, has the soul of a prince, you know, who's singing to a lady who thinks he's a creep, but he's really not a creep, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's beauty. He just, he has that that feeling to his voice. And just thinking about it, I get moved. Just thinking about Joey's, you know, singing. He's one of my favorite singers as well. And then we get back. Again, the light, the shades, the constant shades, the constant bouncing between you know the the lighter songs and the heavier songs we got one of the most rock and punk songs on the album i'm against it what do you think ralph are you against i'm against it or for it i'm definitely for it even though i do like burger king i didn't mind burger king but um yeah i, I love love this song I, I love the lyrics it's so snotty i don't like circus geeks i don't like anything you know, it's just, you know, I think it's a typical Ramones basher. And uh, what can I say? It's one of my favorites on here. It's definitely a, a killer, killer Ramones song. Um, overlooking it, I don't know if that would be my favorite on here. I got I got a Wikipedia, the, the track listing. But, yeah, I absolutely love this song. What do you all think? Oh, I fucking love it, too. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites of the hard rock and ones it's like it's kind of the ultimate punk song too you know it's like and the ramones invented punk so if anyone should write the ultimate punk song it should be them because yeah. and it's just because it negates everything it's awesome you know like you know i i hate politics i don't like politics i don't like communists <laughs> everything about it um i'm i'm not a burger king hater although i do like mcdonald's better so uh so i was glad he didn't say he hated mcdonald's <laughs> that'd be harder to rhyme yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is just a fucking pummeling, fast fucking, and this is the kind of song like you can hear like 
this this is the kind of song that could bring you know headbangers and punk rockers together. You know, this is the thing. This is the kind of song that getting you would like influence like Lemmy and Motorhead. Like it's that crossover kind of hybrid metal punk song. You know, and it's fucking awesome. I love I'm against it. Eric, tell us how you love it too. Oh man, I fucking love this tune, man. Fucking Ramones again, proving how punk they are, man. I mean, they're the you know they invented fucking punk, you know. And, you know, fuck, you know, I'll, you know, we just talked, I, we just praised him in uh, the episode we just recorded, Robert Plant, but also fuck Robert Plant at the same time. There's a, there's like this documentary and they were talking about like grunge, when like grunge came big, Nirvana, and Robert Plant made the fucking jackass comment like, oh yeah, you know, when Nirvana came and grunge exploded, guess what, Americans, you finally got your own punk. And it's like, man, fuck you, man. Ramones from America invented fucking punk. I don't give a fuck. Um... But man, fucking, I, I love it, man. I don't like communists. I agree there. I fucking hate communists. Don't tell me what to do. I don't like Burger King. Eh, they're not the greatest quality food, but, uh, you know, they're cheap. So I, I dig Burger King for that. Uh, I <laughs> don't like politics. Fuck politics. I don't like summer and spring. Damn right. I like fall and winter. <laughs> so too. I agree, Joey. Fucking yeah. great song. I love I just, it. May, may, may I reiterate? Uh, <laughs> I like, actually, burgers in Burger King. I love that original chicken sandwich. That's all. Ooh, that's it good. is a good that, that chicken sandwich. I, I do miss their uh, chicken tenders. They changed their chicken tenders, and they're not as good as they as they used to be. And their fries are different too. But I, I still like Burger King because it's like it's good food for, and they're always like really cheap. The fries suck. Oh, the fries used to be so good though. McDonald's has better fries. Oh, they, I agree. But man, at one point when I was a little kid, Burger King had some pretty damn good fries. And I don't know what the fuck happened. The yeah. whole quality drop. When I was a kid, Burger King was much better. Uh, I remember. Burger I agree. King. They used to be so good, and then they changed so much. They, they kind of gave KFC up. KFC too. KFC is shit now. Yeah, yeah. There was a certain point where they just gave up and said, "Nah, we're just ghetto shit." They just gave <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm against that. Yeah. I, well, just uh, historically speaking, just so you know what you were saying, Eric. The uh, the Ramones th- did. Event Punk, and they did bring it over to England. All those bands, The Clash, even the Sex Pistols, all those guys, the Ramones went to Europe. Uh, I think it was like 76, early 76. Um, And this is like, I think even before the first album came out, like, or right, like they had recorded it, but maybe it didn't drop yet. But it was like that same year. They went out and they toured, and every prominent punk rocker, everyone that would go on that following year or that year to form like the first Damned album, the first Clash album, and the Sex Pistols first album, they were all present for those Ramones shows. Yep. You know, the Ramones, if they heard it and were like, Joe Strummer and all these guys were like, oh shit, let's go do that, <laughs> you know? And yeah, so yeah, I mean, so yeah, so it, yeah, it took off more in England and the Sex Pistols ultimately kind of culturally, I guess, made a bigger splash. Yeah. I will but, say the, but the musically sounds the best punk album, in my opinion. If we're talking about pure punk, I mean, that's the thing. I feel like in the same way, and Rap has said this before, like, with, like, the first Black Sabbath, like, they invented heavy metal, but they weren't necessarily heavy metal. Like, they're a hard rock band that invented heavy metal, you know? Whereas, like, Judas Priest are really kind of they perfected the it. purely heavy metal band. Like, that's all they are, you know? Whereas Sabbath is more of a hard rock band that invented heavy metal. And, like, Ramones are kind of like that. They're like, what, to punk what Black Sabbath, I think, is the heavy metal. Like, 
Yeah, they invented punk rock, and yeah, they have songs that are clearly punk rock songs, and yes, you can call them a punk rock band, but like a lot of originators, they transcend it. Like, I feel they could do more. I mean, look, you have the next album, which is like the Phil, Phil Spector album, you know? And like, like they, they, they transcend it. They were more than just punk. I mean, The Clash eventually, you know, were more than punk, and Blondie, they said in the clubs, they considered kind of a punk band, and then, you know, they developed, like, there was, you know, any self-respecting punk band didn't stay punk for too long, you know? And even, you know, you know Johnny Rotten, you know, with Public Image Limited, like, you know, no one really stayed punk for too long oh, anyway. Steve Jones started doing hair metal. Yeah, yeah, well, even, even the professionals are kind of like power pop. It's different, you know? So, yeah, so, but the Ramones, they started it. It came from America. The, the, the Brits might have injected Mohawks and some of the more superficial official elements and maybe some more snottiness in the politics but musically speaking musically it comes from the fucking Ramones the Ramones invented it damn they, right they dropped it in England and then fucking all these English people start doing what they were doing just saying just saying you agree with that assessment Ralph? yeah of course yeah uh, they are I mean you can like, like I was saying on a podcast the other day it's like um you know, somebody would say, well, you know, Metallica didn't really invent thrash. I was like, well, probably not if you're going to put into equation Soul Cold Crazy by Queen and Symptom of the Universe and uh, Raven. You know, yeah. But Metallica was the first to do an all thrash album. Yeah. You know, yep. and I feel, you know, uh, the first Ramones album is, it's all punk. Even though it's, you know, it's got elements of, you know, Motown and different type of influences it, but it's almost like they mistakenly invented punk. Like, Sabbath yeah. mistakenly invented metal. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, because, yeah, because in a way, they were kind of, I think they think of themselves more as like, kind of like Lemmy used to say, like rock and roll. Like, they were making rock and roll, but they, they made it the way they could make it. And by doing it, they invented punk rock, you know? I mean, they, they had long hair and wore leather, you know? They, you know, they, they were rock and rollers that invented punk rock. And now we'll flip this over to, I would say probably the second most known song, maybe the yeah. most known. It's, it's Sister Blitzkrieg Pop, I would say. It's one or the other. Um, I want to be sedated. Now, this is a song, uh, if there's any song that, you know, some people might have a little overkill or, you know, a little burnout factor. But I got to tell you, I, I never have burnout factor from this song. Me either. It, it, to me, this is pure ear candy. I, you could say it's the ultimate Ramon song because it's where it all comes together. You got the punk side, but the catchy bubblegum side, too. It's, it's Joey wrote this one. It's... It's an amazing song. It's a classic. Deserves to be a classic. Again, if you look like fucking Rick Springfield or something, would have been a hit in 1978, I think. But uh, it's an amazing song. I love I Want to Be Sedated. It never gets old. Great way to open up this second side. What do you think of this song, Ralph? It's 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 a universal... I mean, this is the type of song where, man, like what we were talking about earlier, everybody has their musical opinions, and yeah, that's true with all that. But man, seriously, if you don't like I Want to Be Sedated, I would never leave my wallet around you. <laughs> you never invite somebody that that doesn't like the song to a party because they're narcs. You'll get them <laughs> on the for 
Yeah, if you don't like this song, like, you probably should not, like, get behind the wheel of a motorized vehicle. Yeah, exactly. And, um, it always reminds me of my, my niece. When my niece was, like, four years old, she'd always say to me, Uncle Ralphie, play the 24-hour song. <laughs> Even she got it at four years old. You know, 2020, I mean, she, she wanted to hear the song over and over. You know how kids are. Yeah. It's like, uh, the song's over. Play it again! And, and I'm there playing it again going, you know what, man? Even this kid can't get me sick of this song. Yeah. It's like, hey, at least they're listening to good music, you know? It has that, that's the thing. It can connect, like, a child can love this song. It's it, kind of like the Beatles again. Like, the Beatles or the uh, early Beach Boys. It has a quality where, it's just so purely catch. It's just so catchy and purely just. It's just pure bubble gum, ear candy, ear ecstasy. That even a fucking five year old would hear it and be like, "That's amazing!" Like you know. Agreed. How can you not love this song? Yeah, if you don't love this song, there's something wrong for you. I ain't trusting you. I ain't trusting you behind the wheel or with my wallet. Yeah, and the way he goes ba 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 ba. Oh yeah. Only Joey can do that, you know, to make it sound like that. It's so good. Oh, it's great. It's like when he does the Surfing Bird cover, you know, which is probably <laughs> my second favorite. Uh, that that gives think about California it. Sun. Will be oh, great. that's good too. They have they have done a lot of great covers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah they have a fucking album that I I don't know how you guys feel about, but they had that Acid Eaters on, which is like uh, album just full of like. 60s like acid rock covers I, I love that album I think they do a good job on there I don't know how you guys feel about uh, it I have mixed feelings about that album I have I'll, to, give I'll give it another shot because you know my ex-wife used to love that album I, I, I don't know whatever I didn't like the production and I don't know it sounded off to me but in theory I should have loved it but I didn't what do you think Ralph? I hate it. <laughs> so I might be right, Ralph hated it <laughs> I mean but uh, you know I mean in my defense uh I heard it like twice. I yeah. own it on CD, and I was like, like the second time, I was like, man, this sucks. Something it's about it's my least favorite Ramones release, even though it's not. My least favorite Ramones album will probably shock everybody, though. But what and is it? I don't really hate it, but I, I put every album above it as Brain Drain. A lot of people love Brain Drain. Oh, I really? Like brain a drain. lot of a lot of people love it. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like Brain Drain either. Actually, my story. I didn't say my history. I'll just tell you real fast. It's kind of like what I was saying about Hot in the Shade. That was my first Kiss album, which oh. made me which made me not listen to Kiss for years. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard that episode. <laughs> yeah. So Brain Drain was kind of like uh, I I had the Ramones Greatest Hits, Ramones Mania. And, which was great, and I loved it. It great was almost, compilation. It's a great compilation. It was, it was almost too great. It's one of these compilations, kind of like the Rolling Stones Hot Rocks, where it was so good and so complete that it made me feel like I didn't need their other albums. And I was wrong, you know. But that's what I thought when I was a kid. But then uh, I got Brain Drain because it had a Pet Cemetery. I liked the Pet Cemetery song. So, and But the rest of that album, I was just like, I just... And then I thought, okay, I'll just stick with the greatest hits because that album's not that good. Obviously, if I got any one of their like first four albums, I wouldn't have thought that, you know. But because I went to Brain Drain as the first proper album, not counting the greatest hits, it kept me from buying their real albums for a few years there. So yeah, I don't like Brain. And I gave it a shot again recently, like a few years back. I bought like a remastered version of it, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's all, I still can't get into it. I like Pet Cemetery. That's about it. Um, 
I also don't like their last album. I, it's like half of it's oh, not. Yeah, Adios Amigos was spotty. Yeah, Joey yeah. doesn't even sing half the songs on it. Yeah, that's real spotty. So, but I would say that's pretty much it. Just that covers album, Adios Amigos, and Brain Drain. Everything else I love or like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty much. That's pretty much it. So that digression aside, so yeah, well, I, I want to be sedated. That's right. I got that greatest hits because that's when they did that video for it. They did like a video. Yeah, they made a video for like in 88, I think. Yeah, it was, I think it was to promote that greatest hits album. And it's, yeah, that's how the Ramones fell under my radar. That was, I mean, I, I knew the song Boat Street Pop because of Vacation. You know, a lot, it's like the Led Zeppelin thing when I was saying about Fast Times, Ridgemont High. A lot of this music I got into rap was because I heard these songs as a kid in movies, you know? And yeah, I remember, it's like, I remember like, oh, that's the song in Vacation, you know? <laughs> and I Want to Be Sedated, I saw that video, I loved it. It was a great video, you know, with all the high speed stuff that they were doing around them. Great yeah, high concept video. I love that video. It looks like it was all done in one take. Yeah, it's it's a fun video. It was really great, and it was such a catchy song. Yeah, I immediately I with my allowance money I got Ramones Mania, and and then like I said, like I think it was like a year later I got Brain Drain. It was like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll just stick with Ramones Mania. But yeah, I want to be sedated. It's a great, it's a, one of the greatest uh, pop rock songs ever. It should be a fucking top ten hit. But anyway, so now we're now we're back to the heavy side again. Go mental. What do you think? Go mental, Ralph. Oh man, awesome, heavy. Bring it back to the Ramones, brutal side. Uh, Go Metal. It's just a furious track, man. And it's great, and it's so Ramones. It's got that, you know. Ramones are great when they talk about mental health, you know. Yep. And here's another one, you know. It's like another one of those, you know, something wrong with my brain type thing, you know. I love Go Metal. Probably my third favorite. Nah, nah, I'd probably put it a little lower, but I still love it. I love it. We all did. Yeah, I was thinking, it's funny because I was listening to this, I listened to this album twice today. The first time I was listening to it, I was like, go mental. Uh, what am I going to say about this one? You know, because some of these songs are kind of similar. You know, there's only so many ways you could say something's awesome. But I was just like, maybe it's killer filler. But then the last time I was listening to it, I was like, no, nah, fuck, this is, not, this is more than killer filler. This is fucking killer. It's like one of the heaviest tracks. It's just so heavy and badass. Again, this is like a song you could t- tell kind of like Lemmy would be into, you know. It's 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 just a heavy, brutal fucking song, but always they never lose that catchiness. Again, that's something Lemmy learned from the Ramones, you know. And he was also, you know, a Cracker Jack songwriter. It's like Motorhead could be really heavy, but no matter how heavy they got, they, they were always catchy at the same time. And Go Mental is another song like that. Also, you hear a little lead guitar work mixed in here, too. Some great guitar work. I love it. What do you think of it, Eric? Oh, man. Fucking killer song. They should You can call this song... You can almost call this song Go Metal, because they definitely go metal on this song. It's just fast and fucking furious. You know, it's got that great punk and metal sound to it. And, man, that's probably Johnny's best solo on the album. Holy shit. He just rips on this song fucking love it man just great tune and yet again we lead, we go from a heavy song to a soft song and i love how they do that with uh question i i can't even pronounce it right questioning <laughs> questioningly questioningly yeah yeah so i'll take this one first questioningly 
Because this was the one I was saying. I mean, you brought up uh, Don't Come Close. But, yeah, I was thinking, I mean, they're both kind of similar. But to me, this was, like, very similar to Needles and Pins. Except oh, for yeah. this one they actually wrote. Dee Dee, and Dee Dee wrote it again. Again, you would think this is one you would think Joey wrote, you know. But, no, Dee Dee wrote it. According to Wikipedia, Dee Dee wrote this one. And it's like, like, there you go. You got Needles and Pins, which was this classic pop song from the 60s. And he's writing a song that sounds just, I think, if anything, even a little bit better, actually. I think this is my favorite of the ballady like, pop songs on the album. I love Questioningly. I think it's just a classic pop song. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And Joey, the way he sings it, I mean, regardless, even if Dee Dee wrote the lyrics, Joey makes you feel them, and... Oh God! It's just—it's a beautiful song, and I just—and the guitar work. You got that nice little kind of countryish kind of guitar coming back again, showing that you know Johnny has a little more range than people would have thought. And it, it, the production's beautiful and crisp, and it has that kind of crispness and melodic beauty that a lot of the again, like a lot of songs on like Help or Rubber Soul has with the Beatles. It, it's, it's that level of songwriting, in my opinion, you know. It's an amazing song. It's another song that I think would have been a hit if, like, again, Joey was a dreamy guy. It's, I mean, come on. I mean, listen to this song. It's fucking, this would make, a woman would be listening to this song. Her vagina would be weeping tears if the guy was hunky. You need to break out some wet floors. (laughs) It's a beautiful song. What do you think of it, Ralph? I would say it's the greatest Ramones ballad ever. Wow. All right. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. Danny says it's a close second, though. I love the hell out of that one. But uh, questioningly, yeah, it's different with that lead, little lead thing in the beginning. And uh, just in the morning, just the way Joey sings this, man. I'm serious, man. I, hey, look, I'm not gay, but I would fuck Joey Ramone, man. <laughs> That's the only guy I find sexy in this planet. Only, <laughs> good thing he's dead or I'd go homo. <laughs> but questioningly is just oh my you want to talk about pulling at the heartstrings I mean the way he delivers this and the band too the band keeps that little mellow vibe to it and it's just gorgeous De- definitely a shocker that Dee Dee wrote this a big shocker questioningly my favorite Mo- Ramones ballad always has been when I first heard this as a kid I was so hooked to it. But I gotta say, man, honestly, I mean, Needles and Pins is like so close behind it. You know, I mean, Needles and Pins is amazing too. But, you know, we're talking about Ramones ballads. You know, they wrote this one. So I I would say this is their greatest ballad ever, questionably. Amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. What what do you think, Eric? Oh, man, just, it's beautiful. And I, I think I gotta agree with Ralph. I mean, this is, this is easily probably their best ballad. Uh, you know that they wrote, and uh, again, it's uh, like the like an earlier song on the album. It's like it's such a shock that this is a Dee Dee song. This so, totally sounds like it's in Joey's wheelhouse, and he delivers on this one. Just it, the way he sings it is just so beautiful and yet so painful at the same time. Uh, one of the one of the comparisons I make with this song is it sounds a lot like a Thin Lizzy ballad, especially with that opening guitar. That sounds like some Thin Lizzy shit yeah, right there. Yeah, thinking about it does a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, almost like in a way Joey kind of, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, 
really sounds like Phil Lynott, but he, there's a little bit of Phil Lynott in the way he delivers the song. It's almost like he's kind of telling the story a bit. Well, and they uh, both they both loved a lot of that early '60s doo wop stuff. Yeah, yeah, influenced to both of them. Yeah, that's that's the one thing. Like when I heard this song, and I heard especially that beginning, I'm like, Jesus, this sounds like you know, this sounds like some Thin Lizzy. Like I hear Thin Lizzy, like right, you know, taking that taking the music for this and like doing a song for. It. I can see Phil Lynott writing some his own lyrics for this. It's beautiful fucking song. It just really tugs at your heartstrings, man. I just I love it. Alright, uh, I'm gonna take the next one. Uh, I would say this actually, over the years, it's funny because this wasn't one of my favorite ones when I was younger, but these days, She's the One is probably my second favorite song on the album. God damn, God damn, is this such, such a great band. It's such a great album. This song is so catchy. It's just so goddamn catchy. It's like another I Want to Be Sedato almost. Like maybe, like lyrically, it doesn't stand out quite as much. But man, is it catch- it's just a catchy fucking punk rock bubblegum pop song. Another song I think could have been like a hit if there was a dreamy guy singing it. Come on, you know, yeah, yeah, she's the one. I mean, this is early Beatles shit. Like, the Beatles, John- Lenny McCartney, who people consider, you know, and I think rightfully so, the greatest songwriting team of the 21st century, you know, wrote songs like this. So why aren't the Ramones likewise considered the greatest songwriting you know, songwriters of the 20th century. Come on. Yeah, yeah, she's the one. That's like, you know, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hold your hand type shit. It's so catchy and fun and infectious. It's another, I love the live performance of this in Rock and Roll High School. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's just so goddamn catchy and fun. And it's like, kind of like I want to be today. It's like, I don't know. If you don't love this song, you're, you're, there's something sad and about you you're just you hate life or something because it's just so goddamn fun and catchy and just good it's just a good spirit to it you know it's just like to me that's what the that heart of rock and roll yeah i like my moody moments you know we all have our different moments and different moods but you know sometimes you just want a really upbeat fun song like this to lift you up and i i love she's the one it to me it has the euphoria of being in love and you think it's fucking rocking and awesome what do you think of this song ralph it's the perfect uh, song to follow question. Um, it's a little more beefier, but it's still got the same sentiment. Um, and it's, again, a feel-good, you know, like, you know, it's a good song to listen to when you got a chick, you know? But, yeah, I mean, I don't have no chick, and it still feels good. I, <laughs> don't, don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm divorced, and I I love it right now, you know. And I should hate this idea of this song, but I don't care. It makes me wanna makes me love the idea of love, even if I've been disappointed in life. <laughs> but you know, it does. When I listen to "She's the One," even being single, it makes me feel good because when I, I sing along to the song and I look at my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the one. I love, love, love this song. Yeah, I, I, you know, thinking. Alright, uh, what are my favorite songs on here? I would probably say Questionably, She's the One, and I Just Want to Have Something to Do. And, and, well, fuck, Needles and Pins, I'm again. Oh man, fuck. <laughs> don't listen to me. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to tell you, She's the One is one of the best Ramones songs ever. Love it. Right on. What do you think, Eric? Oh, this fucking song rules, man. Just such a fucking. 
I love that you made the analogy of like early Beatles. This does like sound like an early Beatles song, and I even think about that. It does have like that vibe of "I want to hold your hand," "She loves you." It's just so fun. It's so happy, and it's just such a you know it's such a fucking feel good song, man. And yeah, whether you're you're single or whether you're like in a relationship with someone you love, you know, it's just it feels good. It just even if you're single, man, a song makes you think about like you know. When you did meet someone that was like real, this girl that was really awesome, or it makes you think about the future, because in the future, you are gonna be a pretty rad chick that's gonna just make you feel fucking happy. This song fucking just rules. It's so upbeat, so simple. And this is where the Valley Girl reference comes in, Edwin, because this song reminds me of that song from Valley Girl called He's the One by Josie Cotton, which I love that song too. I love that whole Valley Girl soundtrack, and, and yeah, I love the movie. Soundtrack. Yeah, oh, amazing soundtrack. I like that whole period, you know, that very early '80s, like yeah, where, yeah, where that even like the new wave had just equality to it, you know, before yeah, everything got might, too slick. Yeah, my my dad too. He loves that soundtrack, and that's very out uh, left field for like him when it comes to like his music interests. He loves that soundtrack, and yeah, it, it sounds like kind of like the male, like the 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 straight male like equivalent of he's the one. Uh, you know, it's just like you know she's the one, and they sound very similar. They're just both fun, upbeat, happy, like, happy-go-lucky songs. Fucking love it. And then we go back to the... Well, uh, this, I don't know, it's this or Go Mental or I'm Against it. I don't know, a lot of the heavier songs are all heavy. This might be the heaviest one yet. Uh, of course, it inspired the name for the band, you know, Bad Brains. And, god damn, Bad Brain. This is a great song, too. It's almost like this is... The greatest Ramones album ever, or something. But anyway, Bad Brain is great. It's an amazing song. It's so heavy and badass. And I, I love when um, it does the drum break, you know, towards the end. You just hear the drums, and then it's like, Bad, Bad Brain, Bad, Bad Brain. So oh, catchy, so, too, that, so that Bad Brain. Catchy. That's the thing. I don't think, and, and this goes back, goes back, you know, to, you know, hey ho, let's go. They, you know, the. The Ramones could make this chant. They were great at the chants where mm-hmm. Joey could just sing one line again and again over a drum beat and fuck it. It's the catchiest thing you up, you're ever here. Yeah, but yeah, but hey. Yeah, and that's the thing. To be able to make just a, one sentence so catchy and a hook, you know, not everyone can fucking do that. You know, and that's the difference between Ramones and a lot of shittier punk bands that followed later on or hardcore bands and stuff like that is you might hear them, they might have some cool intensity, you might like the guitar tone and stuff like that, but they don't have songs that are going to, like, you know, bury themselves into your brain, like like this song. Like, it's heavy, but it's catchy. They never lose their catchiness. What do you think of Bad Brain, Ralph? Yeah, what, what can you say? I mean, this, yeah, it's a heavy one. I love, like, when you're talking about that little drum section, but it has that little kook, that little, that little sound... And I had no idea the Bad Brains named themselves after this song. Yes, according to Wikipedia, that's what they said. Makes sense with the timeline. Yeah, yeah, it was before that, but yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love Joey's Bad Bad Brain. The way he would sing it in the in the drum break. One of the heavier tunes on here. I absolutely love that brain. Great tune. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? Oh, I fucking love it, man. It's just it's heavy. It's fast. It's punky. But it has that catchiness, man. Like, you know, like, you know, that bad, bad brain. It's so simple and so easy, but, like, it's just, 
if you're if you're hearing the song and you're with like a big group, like you're at a concert, you can't tell me you're not gonna like sing along with it. If you don't sing along with it, you you better like get like a handicap parking sticker because there's something wrong with you. It's just my god, this song is just fucking awesome. This shit makes me want to just like pogo and like a big group of punks. Like I think that's what it was called, pogoing, <laughs> where they just bounce up and down like like yeah. stiff. Um, and I love the drums too, like the little breakdown in the middle with the drums. I, I love like tribal sounding drums. That's kind of the vibe I get from it. Holy shit, I just fucking love this song. And my god, like we were pretty much at like the last song next, and like I hadn't had a bad thing to say about any well, song yeah. on this album. It's almost like it's a perfect album. Uh, yeah. I, just to mention now before we get to the last track, I'm curious about uh, your opinions. Uh, both your opinions on I, I prefer Marky Ramone. I think nothing against Tommy Ramone, but I think Marky's drumming's a little beefier. I think I think so too. I think he's another reason why the the harder songs are a little heavier. I just think he kind of has a little more punch uh, to his drumming, and he's just a little tighter. And I think he I think he helps elevate the band just a little bit. Nothing against Tommy, but I just I think Marky's better. What do you think, Ralph? Well. Technically, I think he is, and but Marky, pretty much, you know, he even admitted, it. you know, he, Tommy showed him how to play these Ramon songs, you know, with the cymbal use and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I guess technically, I would agree with you, but I, I just happen to like, you know, the album that Tommy was on. There's something special. I remember I got into the Ramones when before Marky was in it. Yeah, you know, I mean, right, right when Marky joined, probably. But, um, you know, I, I got, I, um, you know, like Rocket of Russia, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say, well, yeah, I better, but because Tommy was a badass, man. Yeah, he's great, especially on that album. He was really yeah. great on Rocket of Russia. That also has a really great production. Yeah, and yeah, I guess, you know, he is a better drummer per se, but it's hard for me to say, well, he was better for the Ramones than Tommy. I think they're pretty much in par. They're pretty much what and what. I can't say. Marky's worse than Tommy. I think he just, you know, grabbed the baton and did a great damn job and kept it, you know, with Tommy's style. I mean, Tommy invented that style because Marky Ramon, you can listen to him in that band Dust and, you know, his prior stuff, and he didn't play like this. But he was awesome on Dust. That If you haven't heard Dust, I recommend you listen to that album. Y'all got to check it out. I never listened to it. It's uh, produced by this. Uh, there's a guy in the band Dust that's, I don't know which one of the two is that produced the first Kiss album. You know those two guys that produced the first Kiss album? Yeah, didn't they also do Hotter in Hell, the first two? Uh, yeah, I think you're yes. right. Yes, yes, he did. One of those two dudes was in Dust as well. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, it's, it's a great, you know, early 70s, obscure Lee Gerstmann type band. You know? Okay, so I, <laughs> I, I'll be able to find him on YouTube? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I mean, you know, it's got uh, kind of got like a Viking cover. It's pretty heavy, man. It's pretty awesome. And yeah, Marky doesn't sound like this. Marky just took Tommy's style, you know, and he had to. I mean, that's how you got to play in the Ramones. But yeah, um, I, I, I do love Marky, though. I love Marky. I love his wig. <laughs> you know, and I think I, I don't think a lot of people know this, but you know, in the early days, because they're both you know from New York, Kiss and the Ramones initially were playing some of the same venues. And the Ramones, I forget which member of the Ramones, it might have been Dee Dee, uh, cited 
said that they got their idea to be uniformed, you know, all have dark hair and leather jackets, uh, that they actually got that idea from Kiss. So Kiss fans should know that, that they saw... Oh my God, Kiss! Yeah, they saw Kiss early in the clubs. And this was back, you know, Kiss was very raw, the very early, straightforward, more kind of like the Ramones in a way, kind of bubblegum kind of rock songs, you know, returning back to basics, you know, against the prog rock stuff. Obviously, they would kind of develop in different directions. But when Kiss were like in the clubs, they were kind of making this very just straight up rock and roll basic music that was very catchy. And they all were united uniformed, which was bringing back that kind of Ed Sullivan Beatles thing. Like we all kind of dressed the same, you know, and yeah, exactly. And the Ramones, they they cited that, that they were they checked it out and they dug it. They liked what Kiss were doing in their early days and took a cue from that. So, in a way, Kiss invented punk rock. <laughs> you know, Edwin, every time uh, every time a podcast mentions uh, Kiss, a hot pocket gets warmed in a microwave. Yeah. I assume you I assume you knew that, Ralph, right? Because you know yeah. all about the yeah. Kiss and Rose. Okay. I'm an expert at hot pocketing, hot pocket, uh, mom baking fucking dweebs. And, and another, I cook my own hot pockets. Damn it. And and uh, and Ace Freely like to dress like a Nazi, and Dee Dee like to write lyrics about Nazis. So yeah, that's like, a segue. <laughs> like the last song, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Like oh my, one of my favorite last songs is the last song from the first Ramones album. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today uh, your love. Uh, what today your love tomorrow the world. Um, but yeah, this is actually a song that kind of reminds me of that a little bit too. It's a long way back. The long way back to Germany, which I always assumed. Uh, Ralph, do you interpret the lyrics the same way? Isn't kind of about like Nazis working the walking back home after the war? Like I, that's what I always got out of it. Yeah, it's amazing song. I'll just start it off saying it's an amazing song. Great way to end the album. It's almost I can't picture this song being anywhere else on the album. It just sounds like a. I mean, it's in the lyrics. They're like walking back home. It's like the end, you know. And it's just so catchy. It's and again, Dee Dee wrote the lyrics. You know, uh, sure Johnny loved the lyrics and Dee Dee wrote them. And it's a long way back to Germany. It's just and who else wrote songs like this? It's dark humor, catchy. I love it. I love the guitar tone. It's kind of a perfect bookend to the first track. I think it's a perfect way to end this album. It's another one of my favorite tracks. I love this song. What do you think of it, Ralph? Yeah, as you said, it, it, I can't picture the song anywhere else on this album. It's like a great way to end it, and it's catchy, that long way back to Germany. Um, and yeah, I love the intensity of it, uh, but you know, it's, it's Ramon's intensity. Um, what, what else can I say? I'm trying to think. Uh, I just, I, I don't know, it's just, a, and it's got this hook to it, too, that I really love in that chorus, and... Uh, God, I love it. I love this song, man. It's great. What do you think, Eric? Oh, I fucking love it, man. Uh, perfect way to end the album, man. Like, lyrically, musically, it's kind of like a real catchy, a little poppier, you know, and uh, just screw it to end the album. It's kind of like the night after a party, man. Like, you you and your friends got drunk and, you know, smoked some weed, went to a Ramon show, had the time of your life. You, 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 you had sex with, like, a real hot punk rock chick in a dirty-ass bathroom got like street tacos from a sketchy like city neighborhood and then now you're just like driving back home just thinking about going to sleep and uh 
thinking about what a great night you had. I fucking love that. Has that has, this song has that vibe to it, man. Love it. Awesome. So, so this is a perfect album. We all, all three of us, loved every track from it. So there you Amazing go. album. Perfect album. But it's scientifically proven that we proved through science that's a perfect album. And if you deny it, you're you're a science denier. Uh, the we'll get into uh We'll talk about uh, two bonus tracks because there are two tracks that we recorded uh, some months later and ended up in a movie the following year, which we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. But I think they fit the vibe of this album. Like, it's similar, especially I, I Want You Around. Oh, I fucking love that song. Amazing song. And it's it sounds like one of the ballads from this album. So you could tell, like, yeah, it's a similar period. And an amazing song. And I love that another, I love that sequence in the movie where it's straight, it's straight out of like help, but even it's like more absurd, you know, Dee Dee in the shower. It's very (laughs) funny. And you're singing to PJ, you know, (laughs) Oh, she, Oh, she is so sexy too. Uh, I love her in that and uh, Halloween. Yeah. But if I, so just talk about the song first. I love, I want you around. It's, it's amazing. You know, bubblegum ballad. It's a song I didn't hear until you know a couple years. I would say a few years after I got into the Ramones. But yeah, it's a great song. What do you think of "I Want You Around," Ralph? I love it. I love how you know how they switch it around with "I Want You Around." Then later it's like "I Want You Around." I want. I love that. And yes, that's such a classic scene with. Johnny with his acoustic guitar sitting on a chair and and, and Joey hops on the bed and singing right, right up to her face singing that song and and yeah and and Marky playing outside <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah, yeah of course Dee Dee in the shower uh what a great great melodic Joey must have wrote that one I think yeah it doesn't say here on Wikipedia who wrote it so but but who, I don't know now I don't know anymore I would have said yeah, Joey maybe. but some of those other songs yeah. I wouldn't have thought him so who knows maybe it is Dee Dee but, nah, but I'm, I'm thinking Joey because Joey was more you know Dee Dee's questioningly all this where Joey was more personal in his songwriting like, you know yeah. just want to have something to do and stuff like that you know so yeah he's more direct yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it does sound kind of more like him. I, I think I'm glad you brought up too, like the way they they change around the 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 chorus, how they sing it. it again, kind of like the Beatles. That's the kind of thing, especially early Beatles. They would do stuff like that, and yeah, I mean, just great. Again, another song that I feel would have been a hit if you know Joey looked different. <laughs> so, uh, Rock and Roll High School uh, is the other song, of course, a classic. I first heard this on the Ramones Mania and before I saw the movie another great one this one's very kind of Beach Boysy kind of sounding a little like Rockaway Beach just a or Chuck Berry-ish even it's a great catchy song uh, Ralph first what, what do you think of Rock and Roll High School I know you love it it's classic but tell us how you yeah, love it the thing is that there's there's a few versions of this song yeah and the old, the one I've always loved was the video version, which I believe is on Ramones Media. Yeah, um, that's my favorite version. I don't know if this bonus track is that version. Yeah, well, it depends on which out. Like, there's different. There's a deluxe version that has like two different versions. There's one that has this one. They call it, the one you're talking about. I'm pretty sure is the Ed Stasm version. It's not the Phil Spector one. 
it's a little more strict. It sounds closer to the production on uh, Road to Ruin. Like, you know, it's a little more straight up punk rock. Same with I Want You Around. They both have versions by this guy. That's the r- version that I first heard. Yeah, rock and roll on um, yeah. Ramones Mania. The Phil Spector one, there was two Phil Spector ones. There's the Phil Spector versions that are in the movie. And then they re-recorded it for end of the century, like another new version, which is even more Spectre-ish. Like there's the big wall sound, like that whole album. And I like that version too, but I do, I agree with you. I like this, this more stripped back version better as well. I I love all versions, but that one with the video and they're in the classroom, that's the version I love the most. It has a little more grit to it, a little more, you know, oomph. Yeah. And I feel like it's even catchier because of the, the structure of the song. Yeah, the me- melody comes out more. Yeah, Rock and Roll High School would have to be like, you know, up there with Blitzkrieg Bop and I Want to Be Sedated is the most popular tune. You know? Yeah, it's so catchy. What do you think of it, Eric? Oh, man, I fucking love Rock and Roll High School, man. Just, just it, it just has everything you love about the Ramones. It's simplistic, but it just it gets to the point and it's just phenomenal. I also love I Want You Around. It's a great little pop, like, pop rock song, you know, it's just... Uh, like the Ramones can do like can Ramones can do like you know two totally different songs like that and just make them work and it's just you know they're, they're just like the kings of simplicity you know proof that you know nothing has to be overly complex and like your lyrics don't have to be like freaking Einstein level like reading shit you know you can write the most simplest like the most simplest riff the most simplest lyrics and it can say a hell of a lot more than like you know some other song out there that like you know you know is done by like these top-notch musicians and like this real genius like lyricist you know yeah and uh let's go into the movie itself rock and Love roll it. high school so, yeah, Eric, you could go first. What do you think of Rock and Roll High School? I, I fucking love Rock and Roll High School, man. It's just such a it's such a fucking fun movie. It's like what Kiss was trying to do with uh, Kiss Meets the Fam of the Park. I, I got to get that Kiss talk in there. Is I'm going to try and get our views <laughs> up. Um, I, uh, I mean, what Kiss was trying to do with Kiss Meets the Phantom, they failed, whereas the Ramones succeeded. The Ramones made this, you know, it was actually supposed to be Cheap Trick, uh, and that's thanks to you, Ralph, because I, I heard that little factoid on your uh, on your podcast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but it was supposed to be Cheap Trick. And as much as I love Cheap Trick, I think the Ramon it just worked the best with the Ramones. Um, it's just such a fun movie. It's just so wacky, and the way I can describe it, it's like like a feature length real life like cartoon. Because there's, like, no real conflict in the movie. Like, and any conflict that does happen, it's, like, resolved instantly. But it's just, it's so much fun. It's so wacky. There's, you know, there's obviously a lot of humor in there that probably, like, you know, overly sensitive people nowadays would would be up in arms over. But, you know, back then it was just good, you know, it was just good fun. It was good comedy. And it's just so much fun, man. It's The Ramones are, like, you know, doing what they do best. You know, they're playing music and they're they're not doing too much like acting or this or that they just do the right amount and pj souls is sexy as hell in that movie i love pj souls especially in halloween uh and then the other girl in there too that plays like her best friend who's kind of like she's kind of the nerdy girl she's sexy too yeah so it's just a fucking fun movie and you definitely just you gotta see it uh if you got peacock subscription i believe it's it's streaming on there or better yet just buy a copy on blu-ray or dvd on amazon 
Uh, what, fucking phenomenal. What do you think of Rock and Roll High School, Ralph? And did you see it back in the day? When it first no, came out? No, I did not see this in the theater. It might have not shown in the theater down here. Probably one of those limited run things. Uh, but yeah, I remember seeing this on, on cable TV as a kid. Oh, I absolutely love this movie. It's great. I, I agree with Eric where, you know, I, I think Ramones was better for this than Cheap Trick. But at the same time, it's like, can you imagine Rick Nielsen, what he would have done in this movie? Oh, like, yeah. I love how wacky he is. He was so, such a freak that I don't, I don't know if the other three, maybe Bunny to a lesser extent. But the Ramones, I mean, all four of them are perfect for this role. I don't know if Robin Zander and Tom Peterson, they're too cute, you know, to, to really, like, uh, uh, bring it over the edge like the Ramones did. But, yeah, it's such a, you know, it's it's what trauma, you know, trauma pictures. Yep. This is like the beginning of what trauma. Roger Corman. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just a wacky-ass movie, but I love it. And to me, the, all, the whole movie, the highlights is every time the Ramones are in it. Especially yep. the live when they do lobotomy and with the, with the little writing under it and uh, uh, but you know every time the Ramones showed up you know putting the kick me sign on the on the principal and you know just walking around and you know just being the Ramones was and and of course the hallway scene yeah all, now man that's to me the the pinnacle of the movie great great fantastic movie love it yeah uh, it's i really enjoy it too and it's just it's that period you know from animal house to caddyshack where there's anarchy it's just anarchy they they encourage people to rock out and fight the system and and it's also it's really you know it's uh it's shot by dean cundy who john carper's cinematographer who shot yeah i didn't even know that yeah he he did like i got got too excited there (laughs) no d cundy yeah he did halloween halloween 2 the fog escape for new york the thing big trouble little china oh god back to the future this is like i gotta i gotta get i gotta get a towel to mop up all this cum so so now when you think about that ramon's like concert footage like yeah that's why it looks so fucking good it's fucking d cundy behind behind the camera so, yeah, you get to see, like, the Ramones, you know, being shot by an expert cinematographer. Yeah, it's funny. Both him and uh, PJ uh, Souls from Halloween, this is what they yeah. get right after. I, I'm pretty sure I would bet big money that this is the only time PJ Souls was the lead in a movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she was also in Stripes, I think, and Carrie. She was one of the, part of the, the bitch girl posse. In, oh, in yeah. Cat. She was the one wearing the baseball cap. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, PG Souls. She was a lot of fun. Riff Randall. And also Cliff Howard, who's Ron Howard's brother. Yeah, was, oh, he was awesome. I, he think, was in, I wish we all had a guy like that in high school. Yeah, and he was in The the Wraith, one of my favorite movies from the 80s. Ralph, you ever see The Wraith? No. You never saw The Wraith? Oh, I the think. Wraith? Yeah, yeah, The Wraith. I saw that. Uh, it was from like the mid 80s. Charlie Sheen, Randy Quaid. It's about a guy. A phantom guy who's getting revenge on these punk kids that, like, uh, they race people and they steal their cars and they're, like, out in the desert. And this phantom guy, like, in a phantom car, races them and slowly kills them one by one. I guess it's a spoiler, but you kind of see it coming. <laughs> but, and Sherilyn Finn is in it, very hot and sexy, you know, from Twin Peaks. How do you and spell it? How do you spell that movie? W R A I T H. Oh the oh oh the race 
Yeah, the Wraith. Alright, I'll look into it. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it has. They have a. Great, I never heard of it either. I have to check it out. There was a great sequence where uh, they're doing a racing scene to Ozzy Osbourne's "Secret Loser." Oh wow! Yeah, nice. that's like the got, best song off that album too. Yeah, it's it's a great mid eighties like it's kind of a fun mid eighties hair metal soundtrack. Also, play look it up. Uh, "Power Love" by Lions on there. That's a good song. There's some Honeymoon Suite, "Rebel it, Yell" by Billy Idol. You got sexy uh, scene with Sharon Finn in it, and it's 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 one of those films that's both kind of really bad, but so bad it's awesome, and yet kind of accidentally ingenious, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and yeah, definitely, especially if you guys like rock and roll high school, you gotta check out the rates. <laughs> definitely, I'll check it out. Yeah, but yeah, so this this is great, and yeah, the, rock and roll high school kind of. It's like, it's that error, and you look back to it, it's like, now, now it's the opposite. Now they tell everyone to stay in line and do what you gotta do and, you know, follow the corporate leaders, follow, don't fight against the institutions. Where in 79, it was still, yeah, fight the fucking institutions, fight the power, fuck up the school, you know, blow up the school. It's interesting because I know another film you love, Ralph, is uh, Over the Edge. Same year. Oh, yeah. 79, and of course I had a lot of Cheap Trick songs, and it's interesting because in even though that wasn't as absurd, and I think Over the Edge is actually better in Rock and Roll High School, but... More serious, thing, definitely. Yeah, it's more serious. Like, you know, Rock and Roll High School is like a cartoon. But the thing they have in common in both movies, like, the third act is, like, the kids taking over and, like, fucking up the school, you know? <laughs> like, so, it's interesting that both those films were the same year. Like, that was the vibe was, yeah, let's fuck up the schools with Rock and Roll, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't allow that nowadays. They could make movies about kids fucking up schools with rock and roll. And that's pretty much... Anything else you want to say about that movie or the Ramones or rock and roll, Ralph? The Ramones... Um, the world sucks without them. It sucks that they're gone. The original lineup. Uh, I miss them so much. I was so used to them. Um, being around. The Ramones were always around. It was like, you know, the one thing you can, you know, guarantee is a chick breaking your heart and the Ramones being around. And the thing is that when I saw the very first, last Ramones show, which I think killed them, by the way, because it was, um, it was Lollapalooza. And, you know, I live in South Florida and I got to tell you, that day was probably the hottest day I ever experienced in Florida, living here. And they played outdoor at West Palm Beach, uh, Lollapalooza. They all came out in their leather jackets. Oh. And I was like, I was like in awe, like, wow, really? You know, I mean, they didn't take it off. I, 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 think, I wore a leather jacket in some hot summer weather before, man. It ain't fun. <laughs> uh, I think CJ was the only one that took it off, but my God, they were so good. They just like killed everybody on that stage. And that was a good bill, too. It was uh, Soundgarden. Um, who else was on that? I think um, uh, Metallica headlined it. Yeah, that's back when Lollapalooza was actually had some pretty good bands. Now it's just a bunch of shit. Oh, it's still around. I didn't even know. Yeah, it's mainly in Chicago now. That's, that's kind of why I know about because that's you know Illinois is my hometown, so like it's always there. You never want to go to visit the city when Lollapalooza is around because it's a fucking mess. Yeah, but I mean. It was sad. I mean, I knew it was the last time I've seen the Ramones, and it was very bittersweet. And, you know, and then to find out, like, one by one, they were dying, you know? 
I mean, once Joey died, it's like, okay, I'm never going to see those moms again. You know, because... Oh, yeah, you, you can't replace Joey. And then Dee Dee, and then Johnny, and then Tommy. It's like, damn, man, they're all gone. And it's so sad. And the world, you know, is a much shittier place without the Ramones and Motorhead. Agreed. Uh, you know, we lost all three of them, too. And Verzel. Um, but, yeah, Ramones are a very, very special band to my very, you know, my discovering music. You know, his first kiss, and I got into Cheap Trick a lot. Van Halen. Well, Van Halen, yeah, Van Halen the Ramones. I discovered at the same time, basically. And, uh, God, I, it's just a band that I absolutely love. And, you know, anybody that doesn't like the Ramones suck, except for Lee Gershman. I, I forgive him because he's retarded. <laughs> uh, Lee Gershman's <laughs> a very interesting person, man. There, there's something going on in his brain. So, yeah, I give him a pass on a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can never guess what he'll like or not like. Uh, he's out there, man. You, you'll never, you can never predict that, dude. You know, I, I really like Chuck Mangione records. <laughs> yeah, he's out there. And then, then he'll throw you an odd one where he's like, he loves an album you love. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, you're not expecting it. He actually likes an album I like. You know? Yeah. But, um, and he loves Lick It Up, but he hates Creatures of the Night. That's that, weird. Oh, yeah, me. that one weird. That's me weird. Out, it's like they're, they're similar. They're very similar. Yeah. I mean, I can get you liking one better than the other, but I don't get hating one if you like the other. You know what I mean? <laughs> as, as I said, hardly. <laughs> uh, that, but hey, I love you, Lee. If you're listening, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I don't you, think man. Lee really listens to other people's podcasts, which is. Oh, cool. like, he doesn't even listen to his own podcast. I, I don't think he gives a shit, which is more powerful. <laughs> I, mean, I, I tell Lee this all the time. <laughs> go back and forth on, you know. You know, he gets. He's like the only guy that I, I love that gets crazy when people don't like what he likes. Oh, he does. He gets. He makes, I hear he abuses like Mark about it. Time. <laughs> well, Mark deserves it. Come on. Oh, yeah, it's funny as hell. Like he just flips out. It's right. Did you listen? There was one episode there where, where Lee. This was he was on our show. We did an Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. He was actually very well behaved and actually surprisingly eloquent at times. And and we're like, oh great, Lee did a good job. And then he goes on Mark's show and he trashes me and Eric. <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, those guys they talk all the time. They just talk too much. This is like, yeah, it's our fucking podcast. It's like on a podcast. What do you want us to do? Not talk? It's like, what do you think you and Mark do? Yeah, you're talking a lot. <laughs> I, I always, I think I told Edwin one day, I'm like, I forget what it was. We were t- I think we were talking about the Beastie Boys. I'm like, yeah, we should do like what some of these newer rap artists do. Like, we should just play an episode of someone else's podcast and then podcast over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, like samples. Yeah. yeah. But Ralph did that once. Didn't you guys do that for Terrence show once where you, you had that commentary or... <laughs> There was something like that. Or was that just an idea? No, no, no. We did it where I added clips of... uh, I highly recommend... uh, There's this thing on YouTube called Gary the Retarded Policeman. I really recommend Because it's a guy really with Down syndrome that pulls over people. You know, it's like a little skit thing. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah. Yeah. and And then when we would talk about a song, I would edit out Terrence. And, all right, what do you think, Terrence? And then... I put in the Gary in the retard going, you look nice. I pulled you over because you look nice. You know, I had nothing to do with I remember that, yeah. Yeah, shit like that. You know, that's, 
that's what I did with Terrence and shit. Yeah. So, Ralph, uh, we're going to wrap up now. Thank you again so much for being on the show. Is there yes. anything you'd like to recommend? Anything, whether it's a you know album or a movie or just whatever, that this week you've been vibing with that you'd like to you know recommend to people listening? Uh, Gary, the the retarded policeman, and, <laughs> and Better Call Saul. Yeah, you know I've been getting into that. Oh my so, god, but, I, that's oh. the most. Don't spoil. I, no, I'm not gonna spoil anything. All I can say is I thought Breaking Bad was the most intense shit ever. This, uh, the thing about Better Call Saul, it does uh, get get a little slow in the middle. But man, the last two seasons, man, white knuckle all the way, man. Nobody more badass. I've never seen a more killer villain ever than Lalo Salamanca. Perfect, perfect uh, villain, you know? Oh, so, he's amazing. That guy, Tony Dalton, he's like, he's like, it's like when Christopher Watts did, you know, the Jew Hunter in Inglorious Bastards. Just like, where's this guy? Where was he hiding? Like, this guy just popped. Yeah, what, like, where, what, what has he done? I yeah, I see things he's done. Yeah, he should be like, uh, like he should be like the next Bond villain and stuff. Like he's amazing. He's one of the greatest villains I've ever seen. I he's, think he's the best. Period. And yeah. you just he could just be standing there. Like he doesn't even have to say anything, and you're just you're just drawn to him. You're like, oh my god, what's Paulo yeah. gonna do? He's there. He's yeah, the way he is, he's so friendly. But even when he's friendly, is you're scared shitless of him. Oh, I love the scenes, especially with him and Jimmy, when he's just like bringing him deeper yeah. and deeper into his world. Like, you'll do this. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, you can. You can do it. It'll be all right. I well, mean, oh, that episode, the 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 uh, the, the Bagman episode. Whoa, that's like yeah. one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever seen. It was like the Pine Barrens, The Sopranos. It was like that level. It's like one of the greatest episodes ever. Unbelievable. Julian Gillian, whatever his name is, a genius. Yeah, and it's just amazing. The whole show, I love the whole cast, you know. I, I love all the actors. And it's funny because I think there was a period in the season four was after because Chuck was such a great character. He was such a great villain, Michael McKeon. Yeah. And when, he was a different kind of villain, but he was a villain. And when he was gone, it was like there was kind of a transitional period. Like, what's the show becoming? And then, but then when Lalo came in, and it's like they got more into the drug cartel stuff, and it became more of a proper, like, Breaking Bad prequel. Then it's like, okay, it went from being a great lawyer show to now it's a great crime show. And it just, like, it, like, it took it, that shit to the next level. I was like, wow, this is the best season yet. That season five just blew me away. Uh, five and six. Six? Yeah, I can't wait. Got into six yet? I didn't, uh, what I was planning on doing, because I have a lot of people to tell me, because I have not seen Breaking Bad in a while, and they said, you know, so I don't remember a lot of the stuff, and, and, and I have a lot of people that told me, you know what, you'll really appreciate season six better if you watch Breaking Bad again, because so much of it leads into it, that I decided to kind of re-watch some key episodes of Breaking Bad, and then I'm going to jump into six, so I kind of pick up everything again. Uh, what do you think of that as a way of doing it? Well, I'm sorry, I gotta spoil one thing. Uh, Han Solo dies. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I, it's I, you know, oh man, let's uh, we don't want to digress into Star Wars stuff. But that's the only thing about prequels. You kind of like that's the thing, you know. Like I know like some characters, but they that that's the thing. They have that black and white sequence where they, there is shit that takes place in the future. And I do know that like the last episode or two two of the last episodes do jump ahead so 
That that's great. That was a great technique because it creates that anxiety of like, oh shit, what could maybe happen in the future? Because most prequels, that's the problem. With prequels is you're like, oh well, yeah, I know that person's not going to die. I know Darth Vader's not going to kill Obi Wan Kenobi because you know he fucking lives, you know. So, but Better Call Saul created this like double narrative, you know, with the black and white shit. So that was very clever of them. I mean, just so I much. I like to say the end of season five and season six is the best. Season wow. six gets so intense, it's insane. It's like yeah, I've never watched TV where I'm going, "Oh my god!" out loud, you know. And I do it during uh, season six. It gets so crazy, man. And you gotta love Mike, man. Mike, oh, Mike's great. I always love it. Well, that's the thing. On Breaking Bad, my two favorite characters were Saul and Mike. So that's a, so I think a lot of people must have felt that way. And, and my third was probably Gus. So it was just like. So yeah. when this series came, it's like, oh, it's all my favorite characters from Breaking Bad. <laughs> so it was perfect. So yeah, I love Breaking Bad, but I think Better Call Saul is better. It's the 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 level. It feels even more cinematic, if you know what I mean. Like Breaking Bad felt like a great TV show, but I don't know, Better Call Saul just feels like a movie on TV. It's just well, a different know, level. I will say it ain't gonna really spoil it, but I'll give you a little teaser of six. You're gonna end up really loving Nacho. With what he does in season six. Well, I really love it. I love, I love not. But you're gonna love him more. Trust oh, me. He's a great what, character. What he does is like that one scene that I'm not giving away. It's like, dude, this guy is godly. He really does bring his character up 50 million notches in one scene in season six. So you'll see. Well, I can't wait because I always I connect a lot with him. I always think he's one of the more sympathetic characters. You know, yeah. you just they yeah, keep you, you love him. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, but yeah, that whole show. So yeah, so well, that's a great thing. Yeah, if you haven't watched Better Call Saul, people should definitely be fucking watching that. Oh yeah, yeah I yeah. definitely recommend that. Yeah, so that's great. Uh, Eric, you got anything to recommend? Oh man, uh, definitely. Um, at the time we're recording this, I have just finally saw the new Elvis movie. I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna give away too much about how I feel about because I'm hoping we can do. Uh, so I was planning on us doing a, an Elvis episode in the future uh, that we can hopefully maybe get up by Christmas time. Um, but I, um, I I saw the new Elvis movie and uh, I I I did enjoy it. I do have like some complaints about. It. There's some things I didn't really like about. It, and I still will say this that the the John Carpenter version is still my favorite uh, of all the Elvis movies. Uh, but I did enjoy this one. I, I loved it. Um, it was pretty good. Um, I thought Austin Butler did a pretty damn good job. I, I don't think anyone can top Kurt Russell, but Austin Butler did a pretty damn good job. Um, it, it was really good. You know, my my grandma really loved Elvis. Uh, you know, she she came here from uh, she came to America from uh, Lithuania. She was a big Elvis fan, and like that was how she learned. You know, English was watching his movies and like listening to his music and. You know, I remember too as a kid. You know, like uh, one of her rooms in her house was like an Elvis room. She just had all the merchandise and memorabilia and like a big cardboard cutout. Like she, she just loved him. And you know, his music reminds me like, so much of my grandma. It brings back so many great memories. So it, it was definitely it was a movie I had to see. Um, and I've always been fascinated with Elvis. Like just not only his music, but like just the person. His life, like, you know, everything, the whole aura about him. Uh, 
it was a very, uh, very, very decent movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, and holy shit, man, that ending. I, like I said, you know, there's a lot of ties with Elvis and my grandma. Man, when that ending kicked in and he's singing Unchained Melody, I, I cried like a fucking bitch. I, I literally just broke down, man. Like, I was, my wife was sleeping in our room and she was just like, what, what the fuck's going on? Like, where are you, what the hell's going on? Why are you crying so much, you know? Uh, but man, it, it was heartbreaking, man. But, uh, it, it was, I really enjoyed it, though. Not, not the greatest, but, uh, really fucking entertaining. But, uh, I'll save more of my opinions for, for later for a future episode. Well, I, I don't mean to spoil it, but at the end of the movie, Elvis dies. Oh, fuck, <laughs> Ralph, come on. <laughs> hey, 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 Ralph, uh, in, in like a month or two, when we do that episode, you want to come on talk sure. Elvis with us? Yeah. Yeah, so there you go, because uh, I know you love Elvis, too. We're like three guys that love metal, but also love Elvis, so. Yeah. Elvis does get a lot of hatred, man. There are a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that really just, just man, they just do not like them some Elvis. I, I always loved Elvis. Yeah, I've been, I've been having issues with people uh, regarding Elvis for years. <laughs> I'm always thinking <laughs> There's a lot of people that hate on Elvis with false, uh, false stories. Yeah. You know, you know, it's one thing, okay, you don't like the music, but. You know, to call him a racist and all that shit. You don't know shit about Elvis. Yeah, yeah that's because there was. Yeah, you, I guess you you looked into this too, Ralph. Yeah, there was that false story, which uh, yeah, about you know him saying something racist to some black reporter in the fifties. That was proven false. It was, uh, but unfortunately, before the age of the internet and before people fact checked, this was like a rumor. It's like an urban legend that went around. You know, one thing, uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy, you know, had that line about Elvis was straight up racist. He in recent years changed that uh, lyric. He wants he doesn't say Elvis anymore in that lyric. And he's there was yeah. an interview with him where he yeah. said, well, "Elvis wasn't a racist, but he wasn't a king of rock and roll." He's like, "Wait, wait, yeah. go back and talk about how he wasn't a racist." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he did. He did. He did. Like, yeah, it was kind of a uh, yeah. He, like he, he still had to throw a jab in there. He, he threw in a jab, but he at least cited that. He wasn't racist anymore. That he was that that was yeah, not true. He had a bunch of black people tell him, "Dude, I knew Elvis." Well, yes, yeah, James Brown was good friends with him. A lot of them were good friends. Yeah. James, Brown, James Brown said that if it wasn't for Elvis, he wouldn't have had a career. Yep, all those guys. A little Richard uh, he Chuck Berry. He like opened a, the doors to all those guys. Yeah, because it was just it, it was the time. It was just a very racist time. All the segregation and shit. You, it's you know sad but true. Yeah, I mean you need like a a white like a a white guy to bring this music to like you know to the masses like to the white people like the masses you know you know you know it was that's what opened the gates for guys like Chuck Berry and BB King because you know Elvis this white guy you know introduced this music to to white to the white people and uh, and they embraced it. Yeah, and you know what? And I'll to wrap this up. I will just recommend. Elvis's first album from 1956. Oh, good one. Elvis Presley, uh, which, you know, uh, me and Ralph both have on vinyl. It's, it's an amazing album. It's, it's punk rock for 1956. I mean, that's why the Clash mirror it, the style. Yeah, I was going to say the Clash. Yeah, on Monday Fawn. And it is, you gotta understand, for 1956, this was primal, this was something different. It's kind of like the Ramones in the sense that the songs are all short and catchy, and, you know, this is the kind of shit that inspired a lot of people. People like even Motorhead, you know, Lemmy loved Elvis. ACDC loved Elvis. The Beatles loved Elvis. Johnny Ramone. 
Johnny Ramones. Huge album. He had a whole room dedicated to Elvis. Oh, just like my grandma. Yeah, you know, this, you know, Elvis was the king of rock and roll. I believe that. You know, and hey, that's all right, Mama. That's that was even before Chuck Berry's first single. That was the first single. There wouldn't have been the Beatles. Yep, the Beatles. Yep. John said he saw Elvis on the screen. He goes, I want to do that. Yep. You know, and you hear you, but you you also hear the musical influence, and you know, Scotty Moore, huge fan of Scotty Moore, the guitarist, and these songs, you know, the. Blue Suede Shoes is on it, you know, one of his classic songs. But the deep tracks, every song is amazing on this. I Got a Woman's a great song. One Sided Love Affair, I love that. Oh, just just Because, an amazing song. Uh, amazing version of Blue Moon, yeah. which is very different. Like Elvis is actually singing with a facetto. It's very different. It's very sensual and gentle and oh it's ama- it's my favorite version of that song generally speaking when Elvis sings a song it's my favorite version uh, and that last track Money Honey woo, yeah. that's great it's just a great rock and roll song and to me it's like it's one of the greatest rock and roll records ever and I think it's aged very well you know it, you know some Elvis like you know I did two videos about it if you want to get into Elvis watch my beginning uh, beginner's guide to Elvis I break it all down well, that that is something I'd like to also recommend. Those, those videos you made on Elvis, oh, loved it. They were awesome. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, I put a lot of work to that. You know, because yeah, I, I just you know I love Elvis. I love his music. I want people to kind of get into it because I think Elvis is one of these artists that people might know the hits, you know, but I don't think they like run out and buy his albums. Not a lot of people. I think it's changing. I think the movie, the new movie, has helped. And so, yeah, so, and I had more people contacting me saying, hey, thanks, you know, I didn't really, I wanted to get into Elvis, but I didn't really know where to go. So, like, yeah, so if if you want to know about Elvis, yeah, watch those videos. And especially that second one about the comeback years, I talk about the comeback and yeah. all that stuff. Because that's, that's my, my favorite. That's my favorite period, too. Is that, what's your favorite period for Elvis? Sun, Sun Records, the early stuff. But yeah, I love it all, you know. I mean, yeah, there's some of the soundtracks are very, very fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially I gotta know too. Yeah. I, I gotta know, did you see the John? Sorry. Yeah, I did see the John, and I loved it. I saw it on TV when it first aired. But no, man, look, uh, Kurt Russell was great. Not saying he, he did great, but watching that movie, it was like, I'm watching Kurt Russell do Elvis. Dude, this Austin guy was Elvis to me, man. It was like, dude, this guy, the moves, the dance, everything. I mean, he was so precise it was scary you know yeah hey, put, uh, they're both the better than dick war Warcloth or whatever the hell that guy's name was from elvis and me that guy looked nothing like elvis no the, the best is and i do recommend this movie though it's quirky and he looks nothing like elvis elvis and nixon you gotta see that movie if you oh have. i hear, oh, I hear yeah, a lot I, of great yeah. things about that it's, I gotta see that. It's not like a great movie, but it's uh, when you watch it, it's like that was a time well spent. Because it is funny as hell. Because Elvis is kind of like clueless and in his own world, and Nixon doesn't want to see him and ends up liking him. It was, uh, it's it's just a great, great fun, fun watch. You know, you're not gonna sit there and go, "Wow, this is one of the greatest movies ever." But it's definitely a fun watch. I own it. I yeah. own. The movie. I saw it in the theater too. I just loved it. My yeah. favorite Priscilla, though, is uh, Susan Walters from Elvis and Me. That was the one I always saw on TV as a kid. That one played all the time on TV. 
Uh, Susan Walters, though, played a great Priscilla. She was, you know, because Pr- Priscilla to me was, you know, fucking sexy as hell. My but, God. Yeah, I bet the real Priscilla is the, the hottest. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Even, I was still, she is still fucking, for her age, she is sexy. Yeah, I loved, when I was a kid, I was, like, smitten by her from the Naked Gun movies, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's beautiful. But, yeah, you see some of those pictures. My favorite picture is, like, one where Elvis, like, a total pimp. You know? Yeah, with like you know the, he almost has like a, he has the pimp cane too. And He's that got the pimp cane, and Priscilla's like looking fine next to him. Yeah, it's just, oh my god, Priscilla, man, that was a sexy woman. Elvis knew how to pick him. Yeah, he didn't. He was like with Sybil Shepherd when she was young, if you know that. Like he was with some very fine women. If you ever yeah. seen like Sybil Shepherd in the seventies, yeah, like taxi driver era, yeah. yeah, yeah, like Elvis had that. I think yeah. I think I think he nailed uh, Barbara Eden too. Yeah, oh, he also Natalie Nat, Nat, Wood, and yep. Mark, and Margaret, and yeah. Margaret. She's sexy, yep. man. Oh, oh, wow. yeah. They, they had an affair during uh, Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elvis, well, he's fucking Elvis. Look at him. Yeah, he's like the most handsome man ever. So yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. That, and, that, and that woman, man, uh, and Margaret. Like I saw an interview with her. She refuses to talk about anything personal about Elvis, but all she says is, "I wish people would say." What they say about Elvis now when he was alive, because, you know, toward the end of his life, he became like a joke, you know? Like, oh, yeah. People, but, you know, I mean, because of his looks, but man, like, you see in the movie on Shane Melody, he's bloated, overweight, last show ever, sang as powerful as he Oh, yeah, he could barely stand, he could barely speak, but man, when he sang, he still fucking had it. Had it, man. And oh, he had that voice. And my God, it was just unbelievable. And I cried too. I I went to the theater twice to see that damn movie. You know, something about Elvis, like his music, like you know, always on my mind. Like whenever I hear oh. the first, 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 that's it. It's like he just starts singing and it starts happening. I start getting choked up. Just I, has one of those voices. I get choked up on Pocket Full of Rainbows. That song gets to me every time. It, you know his uh, version too of "I Lost That Loving Feeling." Yeah. Oh my God. For trouble waters. Oh my God. Okay, so okay, uh, this is going to be this is the foreshadowing for our later Elvis extravaganza. Yeah, I think that orchestra album that they released like five years ago is phenomenal. I didn't get that. I should get that. I, I should oh, get that out. If I could dream. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Another amazing song. Oh my God, Elvis. Okay, so we, so if you oh, next time, <laughs> next time Ralph is on the show, we're gonna be talking Elvis. Yeah, right? it'll be just in time for the beautiful holiday season. We'll to talk about Elvis. Oh, Ian will really love it. Elvis and Christmas <laughs> songs. <laughs> Elvis on Christmas. Oh man, <laughs> we'll talk about every Elvis Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph. Always thanks awesome. Ralph, thanks for having. Me. Always a pleasure to have you on. Rock on, man. Have fun. Check out the Rock and Metal Combat podcast and Ralph's Almost Human 56 channel on YouTube. Yeah. And and, and Freeform Rock podcast. Yeah, America's podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Listen, get 10 viewers. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Share them, everyone. Come on. Share them. Yeah. Share, goddammit. (laughs) Be drinking. We're funny. Laugh, God damn it! I'm funny. <laughs> All right. All right. Later, guys. Later. Just kidding. Just kidding. Later. You, All right. Rock on, everyone. All right, bro. Later, guys. Later. Later.
Thank you very much.